as surfers, we have a natural love for the ocean, being in the water and chasing thrills. Surfing and surf culture is at the core of Loose. We are a brand made for all-day thrill seekers, experience makers, and good time chasers. Inspired by the elements of surf that excite us the most, we create products begging for adventure, both into the water and out of the water. There's no stamp of approval needed to vibe with our tribe. So drop your inhibitions and get loose because fun feels better. Loose towels. Since 1991, Caballero Pools and Spas has been dedicated to creating an outdoor living space that will provide endless hours of fun and entertainment for your entire family. They specialize in offering excellent service and delivering top quality craftsmanship at a reasonable price. They will transform your yard into something unique and distinctive, a customized masterpiece that reflects your individual preferences. Their experience will ensure that your new backyard is something you will be proud of for years to come. Whether it's a minor project or a large master plan, Caballero Pools and Spas will help you get there. Check them out at cabpools.com or reach them at mark at cabpools.com or call 714-309-2890. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Neon Wave. Neon Wave is an internationally local shop, a concierge to the modern nomad. They bring together carefully chosen surf, fashion, art, and snowboarding gear with a curatorial eye that's drawn to the best of the best, technicality, creativity, and sustainability. Their team is born from nature, raised by the wave, and nurtured by the culture they support. This is Neon Wave. We look forward to moving forward. Check them out at thisisneonwave.com. Earth Pack. Customized, eco-friendly retail and e-com packaging since 1989. In a time of increasing environmental awareness, EarthPack is an advanced supplier of affordable recycled packaging for businesses of all sizes. EarthPack provides custom products and services and continues promoting sustainability while fulfilling the individual packaging needs of eco-friendly retailers nationwide. Check them out at earthpack.com. ColbyPlus.com is a new brand from a very experienced crew in the wetsuit and surf industry. An independently owned and family run business. All of their products are made with the best in the world materials and they only sell direct. So you're getting a top of the line product for much less. Their wetsuit line, Colby Plus Yamamoto uses Yamamoto number 39 and number 40 neoprene propriety jersey and what we believe is the best and most functional design and construction available. Their line of waterproof bags Colby Plus T-Zip feature completely water and airtight German-made T-Zip zippers. They have a tight line of traction and leashes and will have board shorts on the way in the spring featuring Swiss engineered shoulder fabric. They are currently shipping orders to the US, Canada and Australia. For you Aussies and Canadians, unfortunately, the shipping isn't free. ColbyPlus.com, Finless Skateboard Company. To honor our predecessors of surf shapers, we wanted to make sure that our skateboards were completely handmade, made of solid wood, and that the designs, the line work, and aesthetics of our boards are unique to each deck we create. No heat transfers, no stickers, except for our logo. The whole board is made of carefully assembled different species of wood with cores of hard maple and top and bottom sheets carefully assembled with various types of wood species to give our board 
Gardens, the look of a classic 1950s surfboard. Handcrafted is human, handcrafted is thoughtful, handcrafted is quality, handcrafted is community. Finless Skateboard Company. Friends and family, <laughs> brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky Podcast. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Friday. Our guest this week, surfer, radio personality, and play-by-play announcer for the NFL. What? <laughs> Got his first radio gig in college at Pepperdine University, where he had a double major in political science and communications. Got a pretty fart smeller over here. I don't know. You <laughs> sure you're a surfer? I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll disprove that in a hurry. <laughs> Once graduated, went right into the LA radio scene on the Kevin and Bean Show at K-Rock. Yeah. Dang. And he was also a host for one of our favorite sports teams, the Lakers. Pre-game show, halftime, and post-game. Dude, this guy was yeah. he's in the mix. Yeah. Dang. He co-hosted a show with Petros. Papadakis? Yeah. I think I've... Spent That's actually the proper Greek pronunciation. Papadakis. He says Papadakis because most people do, but it's, yeah. yeah, Papadakis. Yeah. And now he leads play-by-play announcers for the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah. Dang. Congratulations on the new coach. Oh, yeah. Beyond stoked. Yeah. yeah well, we're going to talk about all that. that. Yeah. And, uh, no, we're stoked to sit down with Mr. Matt Money Smith. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Matt Money Smith! Yeah. Damn. Thank you. Appreciate I've heard it. that. Cheers again. I've heard that name... So many times over the years uh, because of the Lake Show. Yeah. And because of just like all the sports in LA, Matt Money Smith, you always fucking heard that. Right. And I never, I might have knew that from your K Rock days. A lot of people, especially our age, go back to K Rock. Yeah. I mean, that was such a big show when I was on it. So. Can I just give you my 401 now and give me a a 15% return? (laughs) All right. (laughs) Money, 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 money. Money. Yeah. No. But we'll. we'll, uh, I need to goose mine a little bit. Although it's not been a bad year. The last couple months have actually kind of helped me out a little bit. Uh, It's been not a little bit of rough sled in the last couple years, though. Jeez, dude. 23 was the hardest year ever. It was. And we got a fast forward for. Through 24, because it's another election year. Yeah, exactly. Hey, we're optimists. We're, we're optimists. That's right. We're, we're uh, half full or less half empty. Come on, we're <laughs> yeah. half full. Yeah, yeah, we're there. Exactly. All right. So we're talking before the show and like where you grew up. Okay. You know, yeah, so yeah, that's where yeah. we should probably start. So this full origin story. Yeah. Uh, so I was born and raised in East Chicago, Indiana. So it's... If you think the south side of Chicago is a dump, like just go down a couple more stairs and it's essentially where all the refineries and the steel mills are. So I kind of grew up in that kind of town when the steel mill closed. It was pretty gnarly, um, but my uh, my old man was just kind of one of those, he's still alive, but you know, back then he was one of those guys that was just always chasing and trying to get out. And you know, he was a janitor. For a while, and then he was able to buy his own janitorial business and get accounts. Uh, so next thing I know, you know, at 12, I'm pushing mops and vacuums around, you know, to help him. And then he got into, like, carpet and um, tried to open a carpet store. That goes bankrupt. And then he becomes a contractor, and I'm out there, you know, shoveling stone. And so I, what I'm getting at is I kind of learned how to work at a very young age. I just always worked, you yeah. know, whether it was paper route when I was nine to being a janitor at 12 to work in... Uh, the construction sites at, you know, all the way through, even when I was in college in the summers, I'd work those, um, dishwasher, valet parker. So basically I grew up working. I was just someone that, that always worked. And and I think that also helped with school 
I just almost visualize that as work. So a lot of the, I still am very close friends, you know, blue collar neighborhoods um, tend to create great bonds. And so a lot of my friends I'm still very close with, but they, very good workers, just didn't quite get the school thing. It wasn't for them. Um, And for me, I just... You know, I wanted to get out. I was like, I don't want to live in work ethic, Indiana. Yeah, work ethic isn't something that's like, it's taught kind of, but it's it's mostly just driven based on like wh- like the situation you're in. You yeah. know, yeah. like hundred like, percent. You know, yeah, you're, like you're, you're not you getting have, anything if you don't work. If you have the means, and you know, again, like we try to spoil our kids as much as we you can possibly can. You yeah, know, 100%. to an extent, they got to have good grades. But yeah, we all grew up with you know paper routes and hustling at an early age. Right. And yeah. You know, it's it was kind of the norm back then. Now yeah. it's a little different. It's weird. I've, I've been to Indiana, and because uh, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I went to Gary, Indiana. So that's where I basically. So Gary is right next to Whiting, which is right next to East Chicago. Yeah. So that's where and I. Gary grew up. is like one of the murder capitals. It's gnarly of the world. Yeah, it's pretty and, gnarly. But it's so weird because I was, you know, working for DVS at the time, skate shoe company. Yeah. And skateboarding was huge everywhere. I grew up skateboarding. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. That, was there a great account there? There was great accounts there. Um, yeah. In different parts of like Milwaukee, I flew into. I think I flew into Minnesota, Minneapolis, okay. yeah. and then you know toured there, and then made it through Indiana, and then through Milwaukee, and right. then into Chicago. Yeah. So, I've seen the middle of America, and it's it's a trip. Yeah. It's like. The malls, the the mall, mall was a big life. Deal. The yeah, but it's an interesting place to come because it is so blue collar and yeah. so like I'll, I'll lower income, but it, it does have you know a suburban yeah. area too. It's just very like where I grew up was very segregated. And look, I mean, skateboarding is what ended up getting me out here. You know, it was. Um, I, we had one kid in our sort of area that went pro Jesse Newhouse was signed by Alba and he was just a killer skater. But like, otherwise we were just, you know, watching the bones brigade videos, the streets of fire videos, the H street videos. And we had our own little group, you know, of skaters, um, that would skate the city or our little suburbs. Have you ever heard of Rob Roscoff? Of course. So oh, yeah. We had him on. Oh, right on. Yeah, and he's from... That's super rad. He's from Ohio, Cincinnati, okay. Ohio. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, see, I didn't know that. Yeah. He's a Midwest guy. And it was awesome to hear his story, too, without going off topic too much, but it was like he... Yeah, he did these zines like he would like, you know, make like his... Punk rock. Do, do little mailers oh, and flyers. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. And like... You know, just started connecting with people, you know, where the hubs are, which was, you know, Santa Cruz and right. LA and San Diego and stuff. And he started just kind of pin-palling people. So cool. Yeah. And then finally got old enough to where he's like, through, my mom and dad, I saved money. I'm out of here. Yeah. Through the, the zines that they would make, him and his buddies, he got to somehow made friends with people on the West Coast in yeah. Santa Cruz. This, this other pro skater that wrote for Santa Cruz, Corey O'Brien. Oh, yeah. I remember Corey. Yeah. So I guess he has a brother. Yeah. And they somehow connected. And he, uh, Rob Roscop stayed there. Ended up working for Santa Cruz. And then they realized that he was really fucking good. Yeah. The dude that started Thrasher said, hey, to... What's the guy's name that owns Just it? Just go listen to the episode, yeah. guys. Yeah. Like, exactly. you know, that's good. That's a good tease. Go check out. But that's like one of the iconic... Skateboards, you know. Uh, yeah, he's got one of the ever. most. I mean, the most recognizable graphics, graphics yeah. ever. Um, but you're super guys rat. are anyway. skate rats. Skate rats. So you know, back then, 
it was Thrasher, it was Transworld, but Transworld had some surfing in it. And so I was always like, I want to surf, but there's, you can't really surf Lake Michigan. And now they do. Yeah. Now they figured out, oh, we can surf the tanker wakes yeah. and you can surf Huron a little bit. But like back then, so like, I just tried to figure out how to surf with what we had. So it was skating and it was snowboarding and that's what we did, yeah. you know? And, and so that was our surfing. And so the first second, like Rob saved enough money to get out. For me, it was college. I was like, well, the only way I'm getting out of here is if I can get a scholarship to a school in California. Yeah. So, um, any school in California? <laughs> well, it's funny. Like, ocean, baby. like I applied to UCLA. I wanted to be in LA, yeah. you know, for whatever reason. Um, just Southern California. I didn't can, think about San Diego. Can we go back though? Yeah. yeah so, yeah. your skate, when did you pick up skateboarding? Really young. So, right. our neighborhood, we started skateboarding probably when we were like, 10 nice. like 9 10 ish and then you know kind of started getting good enough where okay now like the construction thing helped because now yeah I'm, I'm designing ramps we're like building ramps together now and now we've got a launch ramp oh and now we got a quarter pipe and now oh phil's got a bunch of money and his dad said if we can do it he'll put a half pipe in the backyard well now we're building a half pipe and like nice. so so yeah it was yeah. we were all in um we were super into it and but what about the brutal winters? You guys would have to like skate in the basement, basement. find, find yeah. parking garages, basement. basement. Like yeah, we would skate basements. So yeah. you would just build. We would then build a rail out of like PVC or, yeah. or metal pipe, and we would just do rail tricks and grind tricks. And we had like you know just build those little ledges, fucking rad, and you know little kind of like curbies and and, yeah. and that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And you said uh, one guy turned pro for Alex. Jesse Newhouse. Was he wasn't like our? He wasn't a like a close friend especially me i barely knew him but he was a chicago kid so we would see him skate yeah and it was just the coolest thing ever yeah dude jared jesse went pro and it was like oh wow this guy actually worked you know what kind of skateboard did you have i had uh my first board was a hasoy which is crazy um just because our you know fast forwarding way ahead uh we got to relate we have a relationship with steve van dorn who everybody does because he's just the best guy on earth um but like it was really weird to make that connection with christian knowing like yeah, that was, I had to save my money. I had to, you know, it was like one of those things like that's, I want that hammerhead. Yeah, and I knew yeah. not, you know. Hammerhead with the rising sun. Exactly. It was, the, yeah. it was just the old Hasoy with the circle and the okay. triangle and it said Hasoy and it was a silver hammerhead with, yeah. uh, I think it had Indies and rat bones and, yeah, and that's that, that, what got me started. Did you put the plastic coper though? Yeah, I did. Of course. <laughs> had I did. To. Had to back then. <laughs> when you finally save up enough money and you go and build that skateboard, and you know you got like yeah. you got the the trucks you got the the, the you're, you're looking at the oh, yeah. you know the glass case you exactly know? you got the the bearings, bearings all like, what am I gonna go? how much is that oh right. yeah yeah German Swiss like, I don't know what am I gonna go the, the nose guard nose guard yeah, yeah. rails skid plate rail guards exactly the, the board blade yeah on the tail yeah you know? <laughs> exactly it's a tank just but I could not skate it on the street but that was pretty kind of ollie like you know like we yeah. weren't really. Doing all these, you would just kind of power up the curves. Yeah. And like, we, yeah. we used to put inner tubes, an old bicycle inner tube that got a, a hole in it, and you'd wrap it around the front trucks and across the, the deck. Oh, and right. Then, and you would slide your yeah. feet over, oh. and you could, you like, could, you could lift the eye. You could skate, exactly. and then, you know, you could punch it in, and then you could just go, like, yeah. it was good for launch ramps. I'm doing 360s oh, yeah. Yeah. and hopping curbs. It was like pre all this. Because the skates were so heavy. Was, yeah, and it was totally, 
you would just create like and that's, you're ten years old and exactly. you're like on this freaking it's like trying to all trying to do an air on a longboard yeah, you know? on a couple cinder blocks <laughs> yeah exactly air with a, a longboard it were, was, you, were you good at, at school obviously you school said, was big for me because yeah. like I said that was my ticket out I knew I'd probably need a scholarship um, in order to be able to afford it and was it pressure from the parents or you just smart pressure for sure yeah. yeah my older brother's incredibly smart he went Ivy League he went to Penn graduated top of his class that whole thing so I had to figure Jeez. that out and I was like yeah I ain't him that's like, not me you know what's your brother's name Kevin <laughs> Kevin fucking Kevin exactly exactly fuck dude set the bar where, yeah where's the fucking bar at bro exactly. I can't see it exactly and that's like I was a shithead you know because we were skaters and I started smoking when I was 14 and drinking when I was 13 and we would get into a shit ton of trouble and he was the number one athlete in the high school. He was the number one student in the uh, high school. It goes to Penn, and and I'm, you know, my parents are going to be like, uh, he's four years older, so a full cycle older. And it's funny, like to me, it's, it's now you guys are my therapists. <laughs> like that's when I realized I was like, oh yeah, my parents didn't think I was going to make it because Kevin didn't have to fucking be a janitor and he yeah. didn't have to work the construction sites. But <laughs> yeah. here I am. Yeah, my old man Ralph is like, oh Matt's an idiot. Put a fucking hey. mop in his hand. We're gonna you know, put he's, he's a worker. He's, yeah, he's, he's gonna a have worker. To start you, working. You imagine those those, those parent like cocktail like party conversations? <laughs> you know, you got yeah. tell us. Yeah, tell <laughs> us, Matt. Tell us, Kevin. 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 Yeah, you look out on the balcony and I'm just like. <laughs> What's on that? Bears, yeah, your dad's like Matt. Who? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Matt's really good with a vacuum. He really, oh, oh, he really gets into the corners and empties the trash better. Than, you know, coffee spills. He doesn't freak out. It's great. You know, you're their favorite. Though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, just they, I was able to dig out. You yeah. know, I was able to dig out of that hole and do just enough was to, there, uh, to get out. Was there any skate parks? Or yeah, we had a couple. We had uh, the big one was Rotation Station, which was far. Uh, it was in Rockford. What a great name. Yeah. It was, it was uh, So I think it was a roller rink, and then they realized, oh, skateboarding's a lot bigger than roller skating, so we'll just build a bunch of ramps in here. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, it was just find your own. You know, we'd go into the city, and, like, Chicago's got some really good curbs and some really good hips, so we would hit the hips, like, launch ramps and, yeah. and curbs and stairs and do is, all that. Isn't it crazy that the weird fads and trends like roller skating yeah and and like driving theaters it's like things that had their day in the sun and they like long term you know decades. oh yeah and and they were everywhere Go like on. roller skating rinks yeah. were everywhere like yeah. i remember in elementary school yeah those were the places that you went every like friday and saturday right. night like pick up chicks like, yeah pick up chicks yeah yeah and you're just like Wow, they're gone. They're gone. Yeah, like, what, they're what, gone. Well, we have the one up in uh, Fountain Valley. There is, which one. was trippy because, like, when my kids were in high school, they would go. Yeah. Like it got there was like a little window there where they were like going. It got popular. And it, it got popular. Yeah. and I was like, oh, that's great. Yeah, we're escaping. So it's like, oh, wow. you, you yeah. never hear of no. that. No. And remember that, like, well, our kids were younger, but um, the whole jumpy thing, yeah, bounce house. Oh, yeah, yeah. is yeah. that yeah. still happening? Because exactly. our kids are aging out of that, it, but. I think yeah, it is, they, yeah. they aged out, but it's still popular because it's yeah. like huge. it went from like the bounce house to like now it's trampoline parks, and now yeah. they have like ninja climbing oh, right, places right, that, exactly. that are super popular. So when you were in junior high, high school, yeah. what what like uh, skate brands were you into, or what kind of yeah, what so, trends were you guys into? So we so. Like, I remember, as much as we love the Bones Brigade video, and that's what's so wild about living out here, because, you know, Lance lives in Seal, so I'll see Lance Mountain every now and then. Could not be a nicer guy. Yeah, dude, he lives in Seal, and he, like, 
he, you know, he, he does his own stuff on Instagram. He does art and like, I'll just every now and then I'll be on main street and he'll be going to take a shipment into the post office and we'll just kind of chop it up. And he's such a nice guy, but that H street video changed everything like that's because it was like they, that. And also like the Nottis, the Nottis clip in streets of fire was another one because they were street skaters that were using curbs and urban landscapes to make that video like the bones brigade it was still tony hawk on a pipe yeah. and and caballero and you know on a yeah. pipe and lance in a pool and it was like we don't really have that and yeah. then so when the matt hensley h street video came out like we freaked out like yeah. all we did was no complies for the next three weeks just trying to get them down and rails then came handrails came into play and um it's a chip yeah. because there was two things it seemed like in that era that happened that kind of degraded or or downgraded skateboarding um there was a a boom in skate parks and then right. they went away yeah and then vert skating was the shit exactly you know tony hawk and right. freaking i mean that's Hussoy. what it was it was a, it was a soy versus hawk Huss- you know yeah. pick a side and then and then when those videos start coming out it killed the skate park yeah. and, and, and verts. Because now everyone skate wanted park. to, well, to you, Ollie. We all aspire to, like, you look at those guys and they're like, holy crap, what they're doing on those like half pipes and shit. That's yeah. like Superman shit, you yeah. know? But yeah. then you're watching these, and open your eyes of what you could skate around town and where you could find and like, oh, like, you know, 100%. I found this little like curb or this curb. little hip or this little yeah. like, yeah, yeah, you just started finding well, stuff. You'd be there all day. It's a trip because there's, that's so different from what, the origin of skate I mean the origin of skateboarding is just sidewalk surfing right yeah. right right and then when pools and and vertical you know tran, trans yeah that the technical yeah, the transition and transitions in yeah. vertical like that was a whole different kind of skateboarding 100% and then that not as coppice Matt Hensley all the dudes that are yeah taking it to the street and not and doing like flip tricks and oh, nuts. you know grabs and like all that shit, you're just like, wait, what? Like, yeah. that's we can do that right out front yeah. of my house. And we it's can... like, it's like, um, almost like, again, we always say this, like subculture in a culture. Yeah, you yeah. Because skateboarding is a subculture, but there's many yeah. different types. Sla- slappy curbs, wall oh, rides. Yeah. Like, dude, exactly. there are so many little like. Dude, like the one that didn't stick is <laughs> is freestyle. Which is like, why that was so. Because everybody else just stole it. Like it, freestyle is what gave everything else all yeah. their tricks. Like, you know, Tony Hawk becoming best friends with Rodney Mullen is what created his style. Yeah. It's like, shit, I'm just going to do what Rodney's doing on the ramp. And I wish I knew those guys' names. They would be at Huntington Pier, like, and we had like, a, like an arcade, and there was like, you know, it was kind of a little mini Venice, Venice Beach vibe, you yeah. know, kind of just weird, eclectic, like, just, but there would be those little guys in the skates, and they would have, I mean, a couple hundred people around, and it would they, they were just going fucking off, yeah. you know? But that was, it's, it wasn't like it picked up and everybody thought it was like, you know, yeah. like, oh, a huge trend. Well, we were like, we were definitely, it was not a huge, I don't want to like, it was not a huge trend. Like yeah. we were definitely outcast. Yeah. Bro, like, there you go. How sick is that? Yeah. Exactly. This is a book from uh, Hugh Holland. Nice. And, uh, and like Hugh said, Holland, yeah. shout out to you, captures yeah. amazing skateboarding from back in the 70s. 70s. Um, when it was sidewalk surfing, when it was like sidewalk you said, you know, surfing, when it yeah. wasn't. But it's almost, you know, it's funny about that though. So like, you think about what surfing's become. Yeah, 
and like surfing is now skating on yes. waves, like airs, lip slides, yeah. lip slides, floaters are like floating on the, you know, or like grinds, and you know, we're watching guys try to basically kickflip, you know, with their yeah. boards. It's hilarious. And like they, it's, some of them do. Some yeah, of them, totally do some, it. There is definitely some technical skateboarding and surfing right now. Hundred percent. I mean, it's like the going big part of it. Yeah, it's. If you think about it, it's just quarter pipe. I mean, it's quarter pipe, and you get to the bottom of the transition, get your power, get to the top, and as soon as you hit that lip, you got to create that sort of air, that, yeah. that op, which is kind of what you do on a quarter pipe. Same was, was there any uh, competitive skateboarding no. in your... No. No, we just kind of had our own little... We were too... You know, I don't want to make it sound like it's. It, it was. I think I'm cool or anything, but we were just drunks and getting high and doing <laughs> drugs and drinking beers and skating. Was yeah. there like lake life, summer lake life, or a river? You know, where we had uh, we had a little bit. We had one friend who had some money, and his parents had a lake house, so we'd get kind of lucky every now and then. They'd let him bring up his degenerate friends and you know they teach us how to water ski and yeah. wakeboard and, and do that sort of stuff Cause I, so. I figured like yeah obviously it's a more affluent like lifestyle for yeah. sure just like anywhere but you would think that yeah. would be kind of a big summer thing you know like, yeah. yeah let's go hit the shores at the lake exactly. and kind of the vibe kind of like your beach, it's kind of like your beach vibe but you know, yeah percent. and it's a trip that trip that i went to milwaukee and stuff it was um not summer yet it was like spring going into summer and I remember tripping when we got, uh, when we were leaving Milwaukee and hitting, you know, the... So if you're Milwaukee, you're probably coming to Chicago next. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But off the the Off Lake, Lake Michigan, yeah. And it was like a weekday, a school work weekday. And we pull around and I start seeing the water. It's huge, you know. It's, it's like gigantic. Almost, yeah. It yeah, looks like, like an ocean. ocean. Yeah, you can't see the and, inside. And I'm like, I'm like, whoa, this is cool, you know, tripping out. And then I look, and there's fucking like hundreds, hundreds of people yeah. sunbathing yes. and like frolicking. It's like, yeah, it's and like, like 45 degrees. They've been they've been locked up in exactly. the fucking cabin yeah. in the basement but for six like, months. It was like the first day of summer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like I was tripping. I was like, and my the Probably. guy at the time, I think it was Adam Bovey. I go, dude. I go, is it a holiday? He goes, no, dude. It's just when the sun's out, people are fucking taking advantage of it. I'm 100%. like, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, you come to really appreciate the sun. Like, really <laughs> yeah. appreciate it. Because the, the top people don't, I think people that don't grow up in it, like, they don't realize, like, December, November, like, they're not cold. It's when you get back half of January through the first week of March, Dude, it is gnarly. Yeah. It's like you walk outside and it feels like there's razor blades on your face. It's so cold. We've when been the wind seeing, blows. I mean, just of recent, like, yeah, 20 below. Yeah. Like, like double it's digits crazy. below. Yeah. And everything's locked up. So when things like March rolls around, like even March yeah. for the most part, the whole month it's is freezing as shit. Yeah. Like, but maybe you get that day at the back end of March and, dude, it is tank tops and yeah. shorts. And it's like, what is it? You look at your watch and oh, it's uh, 41. <laughs> it's like, this yeah. is the greatest day ever. That's fine. Yeah, they come yeah. to really appreciate it. That's totally fucked. That's why when I came out here, I was like, there's no chance I'm ever going back. No way. So how how much into snowboarding did you get? Big time, yeah. Like, it's funny. Our place, that like, that like the, the hills there are shit, you know, so Wilmot. But, like, basically... Back then, but that, that back then was before parks became a thing. So we would, um, and you know, it took us a while to like can we like we had to convince people to let us on the mountain. Like mm-hmm. I remember Wilmot was the first place 
that would let us on. Like they wouldn't let us snowboard. Everybody you know, back then they were like, oh, hooligans on, you know, skiers yeah. wouldn't let you do it. So that was the one place that would let us on. And then over the next year, it kind of opened up a little bit. You know, Alpine Valley would let us on, Devil's Head wouldn't. So like we would have to pick and choose them. <laughs> so how about this? Our go-to place was not a mountain. It was a valley in Iowa. It was this place <laughs> called Sundown. And when you would park, you are looking around and it's nothing but flat land. But there's like, a gorge like down. Huge gorge. Wow. Huge. And so that became our place because they built the first park. And so, Was there snow in the gorge? Yeah, okay. snow in the gorge. And that's what you did. Like Just, They were super snowboard friendly. So they had a park and they had jumps and they had a mini half pipe and they had rails and shit like that. What, what was that place called? Sundown in Dubuque, Iowa. Um, and yeah, so that and how far up, is that from where that was probably like two and a half, three hours. So we would, bunch of us would go, we'd stay at like the clarion, you know, and pile 20 kids into one room that was probably 30 bucks a night and <laughs> maybe 20. And you were like, dude, I don't know if we can afford it. Maybe we just sleep in our car. And it's like, we can't sleep in our car. It's 15 we'll degrees freeze. out again and we'll freeze to death. Um, <laughs> aluminum can. Yeah. So that became, can. that yeah, became yeah. our place. Yeah. So snowboarding was a big deal. Um, expensive too, right? Yeah, just well back then, you know, our lift tickets like it's crazy now. Like my daughter, my youngest daughter snowboards, so you know, what do you want for Christmas? I want an Icon Pass. Like yeah. it's crazy. It's you yeah. know, a thousand bucks. It's just stupid. Yeah, but it depends if if you're going up a, like one weekend, right. it's ridiculous. Right. Or a couple. Like if you're invested, exactly. you, and you you know, you break it down. Like hey, you know, each day you go, it brings it down. Pays, yeah. It's like the it's it like the, the beach pass. It's yeah. like yeah, I can pay for the beach pass in a month. It's fine. But right. what's great about skateboarding and surfing there's not a lot of things you have to invest in exactly where yeah. snowboarding lift tickets fucking a yeah like lift tickets i mean it's a lot of maintenance and lift a lot tickets, of experience uh, a lot of uh the commute energy. yeah gas the commute to the to where hotel, you go you know hotel i mean if you if stay you're going to Amath and you know yeah. you're not going up and coming back you're staying but snowboard expensive yeah bindings expensive jacket yeah. Jacket, Helmet, boots, goggles, gloves, yeah. pants, jacket. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's an investment. Helmet, yeah. like, it's a, a rich lot. sport. Rich yeah. Men's sport. But yeah, if yeah. you, but it, you know, there's ways to do it cheap if you are truly invested and that's your, like, yeah. your, yeah, we can. I mean, back then, you know, it was just, you already had the clothes because you had them. It's cold, yeah. you know, so you didn't have to really buy unless you were like, oh, I got a snowboard jacket. No, dude, we were freaking didn't white care. trash. We yeah. had shitty car hard work jackets and yeah. jeans, which, like two layers of jeans. Which is what they're cool to wear. I know, right? <laughs> but that was all, like, yeah. we didn't have these super cool. Thermals and Scotch yeah. guard, old pair of jeans. 100%. Like, that's yeah. exactly what it was. Yeah. And, and then you bought your snowboard and back then, lift tickets were like 20 bucks. Yeah. They were, you know, 15 maybe because we would get you know we didn't have to pay for adult prices or something so yeah. it was manageable we would yeah. do that probably like twice a month we'd go like every other weekend we um, would go after school because you know mountain high would stay exactly. open that have lights on and yeah. we'd be like you know okay yeah. if we leave after school at three we get up there by five we could snowboard till like you know close at 10 you know yeah yep. get like a good three four five hours in when i got out here to pepperdine um I ended up bringing my, did I, bring, I don't remember if I brought it right away. I think I, I might have brought it. It was like my sophomore, junior year. Um, and that's when I started working at K-Rock. Uh, and the guy I met, Zeke, turned me on to Waterman. <laughs> so I started snowboarding yeah, Waterman, yeah. dude. That's yeah. a shit hole, but it I was so much fun. I think that's a really good spot, too. It was so... For, it, like, core people. Yeah, yeah. So and he was he grew up in Big Bear, and he was an incredible skier. And so he was like, dude, super secret spot. And yeah. so he would park 
you'd get two cars and you would park one at the bottom and you could go and take the back side down. Yeah. And then as long as you had a car that could drive you back to the front side and take the lift up. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun. So we did that. We did Baldy. Yeah. We did Mountain High and stuff. Yeah. So, those years, those are open. It's, it's killer. Yeah. You know, like it's so close. So going back to your yeah. childhood, were you good in sports? Others like We all played sports. Yeah. Everybody played sports in the neighborhood. So grew up playing baseball. Um, and that was kind of my sport. Um, a little bit of soccer, a little bit of basketball. Um, I wrestled for, for a minute there, but yeah, you just, you played, you know, it was, it's, I think they're it's probably similar for us. Yeah, they're seasonal. So yeah. we'd play, you know, I didn't play football. Uh, my parents wouldn't let me play football. I was a really small kid. I didn't sprout until like my freshman, halfway through my freshman year. So I was too small to play Pop Warner. Mom wouldn't let me. So I wrestled 70 pounds and under crushed the lightweight oh division <laughs> it was crazy <laughs> there were like there were maybe 20 of us in the city that wrestled 70 and under and, and when you get to cities um and then you know you go to basketball and go to baseball that's yeah, nice. that's what you did um, and, and your brother was four years older than you yeah. so he was like graduated every time that exactly you yeah so he graduated high school when i started high school graduated college when i started college yeah um, yeah so you know so we didn't really I wasn't really close with either of my brothers. I have a younger brother who's six years younger than me. So growing up, um, you had your own just kind of, it was, you know, find your own way. Yeah. And um, now we're really close, which is nice. Um, as you kind of get older, that age gap shrinks. It's, yeah. It's all yeah. the same. But like back then, it was a pretty big gap. Yeah. Huge. We talk about that a lot because yeah. when you're a Grom and you're looking up to these, you know, they're only 18 or 17 or 18. Yeah. But, and you're like, 12 or 13 that those years are right that guy's a man he's, a huge he's an gap. adult you know like huge gap yeah but when you get older it's like oh shit you know yeah, yeah. like this guy's like 20 years older than me he acts like he's like 10 years younger he's freaking grom over here right? damn right yeah. <laughs> we get to this age and age is a number that's, yeah. what, that's what it becomes yeah so you, i don't want to be mature i want to be a kid exactly. guy, like, trying to roll it back exactly so uh um, responsibility no you, did you have jobs outside of what your dad was doing, or um, yeah, I just yeah, oh yeah, I was I was a hustler. I just wanted to make money because we didn't have money. So the only way I was going snowboarding or drinking or you know taking girls on dates or paying for my car was to work. So yeah. I were I like I worked nonstop. I, none of my friends you know worked like I did. I mm. was always chasing something. Um, I worked to freak it like before food trucks were cool. I worked a fucking food truck in, in the city of Chicago outside the Board of Trade, a roach coach <laughs> wow. uh, from a joint called Chicken Olay. And the dudes that worked there thought I was the craziest fucking guy. They're like, who is this white dude? And it's driving, you know, all the, the cooks. They were the coolest guys, these Mexican dudes. And we'd all get stoned <laughs> after I got done with the lunch truck. And they were just like... Well, you, yeah. you were the driver? I, I, dude, I was the driver and I sold them. And so, like, I guess... Oh, you worked the so here's So what happened was, like, Chicago's this... Like, trying to think the best way to put this chicago is like a racist city but not really like it's not this super gnarly you know you're this ethnic minority and and i'm gonna you know f you it's not like that it's just weird it's because even the white people are separated like the polish people live here and the italian people live here and the irish people live here it's just yeah, a very yeah. segregated city so basically sort of the way it was explained to me when i got the job is they couldn't put one of the mexican guys on the truck because 
the other white dudes would never let him park anywhere. They treated him like shit. The people wouldn't come buy burritos from him. And so they were like, we need a white dude to, to roll out be and the sell the burritos the to be the face of it. And I was like, whatever, man. If you're going to pay me six bucks cash an hour, yeah. and then I get a bonus. How old are you? I was uh, 16. Wow. And so they were like, uh, we'll bonus how, you if you sell it. how did you find out about this? It was a friend of a friend's dad who owned the restaurant, the Arquisa. Sergio Arquisa owned it. And it was on Adams in downtown, and so I would drive from the south side downtown, and you know, at like six in the morning, and help them load up the truck, and then I'd get, and so it was, and like that was the other thing is I'm, you know, I kind of got this, I'm a, you can see I'm a small guy, but this kind of big voice would sort of, I don't yeah. know, intimidate people a little bit. So you had to fight for your spot because you know it's basically think of um, just think of the New York Stock Exchange that's yeah. what this is in Chicago it's the Board of Trade so it's where all of the trading gets done so all oh. the people come out of the buildings for, for lunch, quick lunch and they just and need because they gotta get back like yeah. the market's open so they just wanna run down grab something and get back up and so you gotta jockey for spots people if you're in a spot this I remember I used to get into it with Burrito King all the time this dude was the biggest asshole <laughs> I'd just be like don't give a fuck dude don't care I'm here I'm here he's like that's bullshit this is a seniority, and it's it's almost like being in the wave. It's like yeah. the seniority you got to get in line. I was like, should have been, been here. Should have been here yesterday. Exactly, <laughs> bitch. Exactly. So it was like kind of like that sort of vibe. What um, a trip! Because yeah. that whole uh, Roach Coach, there was a trend. Yeah. Like I, I don't know how long ago. Remember, like there was that was a thing to do was to go to these Roach Coach like places, and they 100%. became like a a really cool. Fun place to uh, to have you know lunch. Yeah, and, like people. They became have, like, like totally trendy. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I went, I went once or twice, and I was like, wow, this is pretty amazing. Like, yeah. Well, the food. I mean, it's, it's good, or they wouldn't be in business. You yeah. know, like that's the thing is you think of like all oh, the quality. It's just going to be you know. Like, well, what's a trip is like that was just part of their life. Yeah. Of right. of, of you know. Exactly. But you're splitting tips. Like, you're making money. Like money. Yeah, making money. And, like, people... And so, like, our whole thing was chicken. Like, it was... Everything was chicken. So, the other places, it was mostly pork or it was mostly beef. And so, our thing was, we got chicken burritos, chicken quesadillas, chicken tacos. Like, you know, and that's... And so, we ended up pulling a ton of females because they... A little bit more. Just kind of the way... He was a very smart guy, this guy, uh, Sergio. He... He did that. And then, so I ended up doing a lot of jobs for him. Um, he owned a wedding hall. He hired me at 15 to valet park. And again, I did not like sprout, sprout until probably my junior year. You so know how to drive a stick? Uh. <laughs> so I could, like, because my old man would have me drive the, you know, for the construction sites, he would have me drive the, the dump truck to load up with all the trash and then take it. Yeah. So I knew how to drive. And he's like, uh... Matt, you know how to drive? And I was like, yeah, I can drive. He's like, you want to be a valet at my wedding hall? And I was like, damn right. I mean, yeah, I guess so. Sure. He's like, okay, don't fuck up. Don't crash any cars. And I was like, okay, no problem, Mr. Kisa, you got it. And he's like, all right. So these people would pull up for their weddings and their suits and their tuxedos. And they'd be they'd looking at me out, and they're like, they have money to like, spend. Can you touch like, the pedals? I'm giving you my car. I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no problem. I got it. You know, and yeah. I uh, drive away stick and so all this that. This guy and had a, a bunch of different. He was just one of those dudes, you know, that owned. Restaurants and, and so I ended up, and this yeah and tapping in with him and I got I was very I was close with his son Sergio uh, little Sir Sergio little Sergio and so yeah so that's right. whatever job what I'm getting at is like if I were to give anybody advice 
just say yes to everything because you have no idea where it's going to take you. Yeah. And so the anytime, relationships and yeah. the meeting with people. hundred percent. Anytime someone said you want to do a job, I was just like, yeah, what are we, what are we doing? Let's go make some money. It's a good advice. And, so yeah. you, you mentioned your voice early yeah. on. Did you have it? I did. Yeah. So I was a little kid. I was small and at 14, I got the voice. And I didn't really grow until I was about 15 and a half. Your balls dropped? Yeah, balls dropped, thing showed up. Did you ever say you had a voice for radio? Everybody used to say that. Everybody. And so that's... Kind of played in your mind? Yeah, like that's that was always a seed that was planted. I never really thought of it as being able to make a living off it. I don't know why. It just never... I, I looked at it more as... Um, I wanted to be a litigator. I was like, because I, that, that to me, I just wanted to make money. Like that yeah. was my idea. You knew that was a guarantee. Yeah. So my brother became a lawyer, but yeah. even before that, I think a lot of it had to do with movies. Like I loved courtroom movies. I loved injustice for all. I loved the verdict. Like for some reason, those films just resonated with me, um, to kill a mockingbird. Like, I don't know why they just did. Yeah. And so I was like, you know what? I could be really good at that. I'm really good at convincing people of things, and I've got this voice and this presence for whatever reason. Because you got so. like a, a mixture of like Jack Nicholson yeah, I get slash that a lot. Uh, like almost like game show host, right? 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 But but I get Jack Nicholson a lot. Yeah. I think there's just a little gravel, mm-hmm. you know, to it. It's probably from smoking at 13. You know, it gives you <laughs> whiskey at 14. It probably gives you a little bit more scratch. <laughs> like my brother, both my brothers have lower voices, but they don't kind of have the. You can probably hear it, the gritty, the gravel yeah. to it that I do. So, and kids, I don't smoke anymore. That was when I was at dumb and young. Uh, yeah. So don't smoke. <laughs> yeah. Don't smoke. Um, Cigarettes. Did, did your like dad or grandpa like other you know? It's something that's everybody has. Like you know. No, physical, my parents you know? don't have it. So yeah, my dad does not have a deep voice. Um, on my mom's side, maybe a little bit more. Um, my mom's side is our Eastern European um, sort of you know blockhead Baltic people. So I think maybe we have a little bit more of that on that yeah. side of the family. How fortunate is it that you? Uh, made friends with the Sergio yeah. family, or with, with the Arquisas, yeah, Arquistas? Sergio. Um, that, but you know what? I think that. And and what, so, what ethnicity are they? Argentinian, yeah, they're okay. from Argentina. So they were. Um, uh, he passed away sadly, but he was just a cool, the coolest guy, man. And oh, and he just kind of took. You know, my my old man worked a lot, had to. You know, and he was so he was almost he was around a lot, so kind of became almost like a surrogate dad of sorts, you know, because my dad just couldn't be there a lot after work or at some of the games and like just would always kind of, you know, would always, because he had a bunch of money, you know, and so he would always kind of, I think he liked having me around to make a point to his son, like, hey, look how hard he's working. Look at what this kid's doing to try to get this, you know, you yeah, need. Good so, so I think that's the way he looked at it. Like, hey, I'll, I'll give you all this stuff and you're going to help me because you're going to push my son who yeah. lives this life of luxury and, and needs a little bit of yeah. a kick in the ass. And so, um, so, so you it was got a really the good money book. part pretty early too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But so the, the money name came from Kevin and Bean. I don't know why. I have no idea the day it happened, but when you were on a morning show, you just had a nickname. Like yeah. everybody had, a nickname, you know, we, we, that was Chalky. yeah, Chalky, exactly. So like lightning was the producer, you know, Jimmy was just Jimmy, but, um, you had big Leo and Kennedy and like, I don't know. It was just, everybody had a, a beer mug and, and all a big tad, like all every, it was this morning Party show. personality. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so worked valet. Yeah. 
worked the roach coach, what other? Construction, janitor, landscaping, dishwasher, telemarketing. That was the worst fucking job ever, Gosh. ever, dude. Click. I will, yes, click, 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 click. click. Managers like, why don't you have any leads? This is, I'm like, because your product is shit. Nobody wants your true what green we... supreme lawn care. It's like, you know, <laughs> oh so God. that was the worst job ever. And and I was fine quitting. Like, I didn't care. I, it was one of the things. And I think that's advice I would pass on to everybody, you. dude. If it's not happening, just yeah. bail. Don't. Yeah. There's nothing wrong. I I didn't even. I, I remember I walked out from the telemarketing. My manager was a complete asshole. Um, and I walked out and he's like, you're not going to get paid. I said, keep your fucking money. This yeah. job sucks. And I just walked out having worked like six days and not, you know, I don't need my $27 for my three seventy five an hour. It's okay. <laughs> this is you a learned, I've yeah. learned enough. Yeah. I know that I don't want to do this. And there is, you know, to me, like there's value to that, figuring out what you don't want to do. Yeah. You know, like I'll be honest. I still like to this day, I miss working with my hands. I really do. There yeah. is, it, it, was it a shitty job? Yeah. Landscaping was shitty, dude. When you're carrying around those big ass box trees but and you're rolling. Yeah. But you're self, working out. Self, yeah. yeah Self-worth and, and you're, you're, yeah, it's a workout, but it's not a workout. You're like, you're right. doing shit and it keeps your mind busy. And it's, you start here and you finish here yeah. and you get to see it. You get to see like, okay, this was a mound of dirt. And now here's the lawn and here's the trees and here's our shrubs and we planted yeah. our flat. And there's just something. Accomplishment. Yeah. There's, there's something cool about that. They say one of the most um, rewarding. Like, rewarding jobs is, is demolition, like a demolition yeah. uh, job. Really? Yeah. yeah. Like I could fucking shit up. Exactly. Like, like, yeah. Oh! Like big guy, big Kick machinery, that! like, yeah. you know, just <laughs> knocking shit <laughs> down. They're, they're like, <laughs> I had to demo a, a porch. <laughs> I had to demo a, uh, like a Big thing in the Midwest are these enclosed patios. So think mm. about your patio. Well, yeah. they have the same thing, but they put like screens or real thin yeah. plastic to keep the so they can heat them in the winter. Keep the bugs out of the sun. So we had to uh, we had to do a job where they were just rebuilding this new. They were going to expand it and make it bigger. So my old man's like, "Hey, you gotta. Can you go out and you, can you demo the patio?" And I'm like, "Yeah, of course." And like you said, I was like, yeah. "Best job, dude. I don't have to. I don't have to carry anything. All I do is knock shit I'm not down, fixing it, making it look pretty. I'm fucking. Yeah. Yeah. I'm breaking the shit down. And so, it's more fun breaking so shit fun, down dude. than it's, building something. It is so fun. Yeah. And so I'm with my buddy, and we're looking at this thing, and it's attached to the house. And he's like, "All right, how do we do this? What do you? How do you want to do it?" It's like, well, obviously we got to. You know, make sure we detach it from the house. Let's do that first. So I'm, you know, looking at the flange and pulling that off and making sure we've got it detached Not ripping from the off house. The house. Yeah. <laughs> and so we realize, you know, once we get all that done, it's now floating and it's got about like a half inch gap between the patio and the house. And he's like, how do you want to knock it down? And I was like, I got an idea. <laughs> so I climb up on the roof of this it's got a pitched roof and I climb on the roof and I straddle the pitch so I've got a leg on each side and I just start rocking <laughs> and it starts moving Wow! and it just snapped off the frame and went down and I guess the people inside were losing their freaking minds sounded like they, a freaking bomb went off in the background yes my old man comes out and he ends up you know 20 minutes later as we're knocking it all apart he's like kind of screaming and yelling the fuck you doing you dumb fuck you know what you could have done I was like what I was like what I, yeah. It's like, we were working smart, Dad. I just, you know, instead of taking it apart, I'd be out here all day. I'm saving you money. We're getting paid by the hour. I was like, yeah. we got this thing knocked out. And he's just, he got his hands and he starts thinking. He's like, 
Yeah, that was pretty smart. It's <laughs> like, yeah, right. Well, like, yeah, you, you did what we always like to say: is mix business with pleasure. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah. I'm gonna ride yeah. this thing. I'm gonna. I was like, dude, we don't need to freaking knock the take the roof off first, shingle by shingle. Now let's get the the, the plywood off. Now let's get the truck. No, yeah. I was like, I think we can do this. Yeah. <laughs> and that was yeah. it. It might but, just fall apart as it falls. Yeah. You know. But know. demo, to your point, demo is awesome. We used to love when it was demo work. Yeah. It was the, the best. Nice. So if you're, you know, you're in, you're in high school, you're starting to like map out colleges, like you're a smart kid, good grades, yeah. like, so California, the, the California dream. So no, not really. Originally, I, again, I was, you know, very influenced by my brother and what he was doing. I just, you know, even though I, I hated him, you know, yeah. figuratively, not literally, but like, man, this guy's got it all. And, it, you know, I was just like, okay, well, I'll do what he did. And so I started looking at schools on the East coast and, um, and to be a lawyer. Yeah. And so, and he planted the seed. He's like, hey, you know, I think my buddy Scott King is playing basketball at a school called Pepperdine and it's right on the beach. You should look at it. I think you'd really like it there. And I was like, okay. And so um, they used to have these college fairs um, back in the day. People, they still do. They, they do they? Yeah. Yeah, see, it's funny. My kids never went to any of them because um, my daughter... They, they already accepted in like yeah, freshman yeah. year. Yeah, well, my oldest was a, an athlete, so she was getting recruited. And then... Um, what did she play? She played lacrosse. Nice. Yeah, yeah. My daughter's playing lacrosse. Oh, right on. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. It was really fun. Um, so we so I went to this big college fair and Pepperdine had their booth set up. And like, you know, they just got like the, 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 the threefold thing that's behind the guy that's selling it and it's just all the pictures and I was like holy shit yeah. I'm gonna go to school there and so I just applied I got in they gave me a bunch of money and um, I got the rest in student loans uh, my parents you know wanted to help so they scraped together whatever they could possibly afford and you know between those three things we were able to make it work and uh, I was okay. able to get out to Malibu did you have the grades to get yeah. there okay yeah. Yeah, so I had the grades and um, gave me. I think the, I think back then it was like I think it was like eighteen grand a year, nineteen grand a year, which is hilarious considering it's now sixty five. But um, so I think they gave me ten, and then I got loans for like five or six a year, and then my parents I think were able to they they figured out a way to give me like twenty five hundred bucks a year for college, and you know and then I worked I worked. Uh, I worked in the admissions department, and then I got a job at the Chart House. Um, yeah, Chart House alumni. Yeah, dude. So I got a job at the Chart House, parking cars, and um, and then I got a job at a record company, and Which then I got the Chart House, the, the one Malibu. Yeah, right at wow. the Topanga Point, dude. So wow, yeah. like talk about staring at that Mid- wave, dude. Dude, you're from the Midwest. You fought. You you come to California. Yep, and. In the epitome of where people around the world, not just the Midwest, when they think of California, they yeah. think of fucking Malibu, exactly, L.A., Hollywood, like that's what they're thinking of. And here you are parlaying it to your best advantage. Yeah. And getting a job at some place, because Chart House is, it's not as, as prestigious as it used to be, but back then, back it, was. then it was. Back then it was. Holy shit. It was back then the it deal. Was big time. Big all, time. All of our friends worked at them or everybody we knew in the industry. Yeah, dude. It was there. a big surf spot. Like the... Yeah. I still have Chad was... He was freaking hilarious. This dude, Chad and Eric were the two dudes that I worked with and they were total burnout surfers and all they did on Saturday and Sunday when we had to work brunch was just stare at the wave and then eventually be like, hey dude, 
yeah, you got to fucking cover for me. And they were like, all right. And they would just grab their board and they would walk down the rocks and just surf the Panga Point there. Oh and I would God. cover for them. And then <clears throat> they would come back out and the other one would go. And How many like movie stars would you see? Um, some, not a lot, but, but definitely some. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were a couple. I got into an argument with Steve Perry. That was a really good one because... Dave, my the boss. The singer of Journey. Of Journey, yeah. The Dave, my boss. There was only, there was really only. Did he one have a high pitched voice? Oh gosh, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. And they, I remember his car. It was um, it was probably like uh, <laughs> it was before the Mercedes. It was like before the Mercedes convertibles changed to the more modern look when they kind of the were that old. That they were. It was like the convertible that had the two circle lights on each side. Uh-huh. It was like a three eighty SS. So he was driving a red Mercedes convertible, and he pulled in. And the only rule we had really was no one can park their own car. He's like, you guys are insured. If these people park their cars and bump into one of mine, then it's a nightmare for me. So no matter what, no one parks their own car. And I was like, okay. So Steve Perry pulls in and he's like, hey, is all right if I just park it right there? I'm like, I'm sorry, sir. You can't do that. There's no, this, this is private property. It's the rules. You cannot park. Uh, we're responsible for every car. I know, but you can just watch me park it. No, I'm sorry. I can't do it. So this goes back and forth. Finally, he just mother Fs me, peels out of the parking lot. And you guys have all parked there before because I'm sure you surfed the spot. So you know what it's like on that curve, man. So he ends up pulling out, having to go probably 50 yards up the road, parks. And I'm just watching all these cars hauling ass by him. He's got his long hair and it's blowing by the time he walks up. His hair is all freaking just tweaked out. He's just looking at me like, you fucking little prick. And I was like, dude, I'm sorry. Those are the rules. Like, no one parks their car. And uh, and he just storms into the chart house. Did you go, who's crying now? (laughs) Right? Well, I mean, one man can't park his car. Parallel parallel parking on PCH, it's like, you know, you're more likely to get swiped or damaged inside the lot there. I mean, I'm what like, a, dude, I park cars. It's what, what I do. Fuck, what am hey, I going to do to your car? What a fucking dickhead. Yeah. Like, no wonder you got kicked out of Journey. Yeah, right? Yeah. There's what, a Filipino what am I gonna guy do? that sings, yeah. sings for Journey. Sounds just like him. Oh Sounds God. better than yeah. him. <laughs> it's, it, but it's that would that was always my line to people. like Because, you know, it's Malibu. People are pulling in with Ferraris, with yeah. Porsches, with Rolls. And they're just yeah. like, and I'm a shithead college student. And they're just like, you ain't parking that. I'm like, dude, it's a car. What am I going to do to it? I'm going to go 50 feet right there. Yeah. I'm going to park your car. It's not that big of a deal. And they'd be like, eh, yeah, you're right. I was like, exactly. Go. I'll park well, it I mean, up front. Don't worry about it. Yeah. These people have been to places like the Chart House with valet parking. Exactly. Like, I mean, come on. I mean, they're right to look at us and be like, these guys really like, we were a pretty but scraggly bunch. <laughs> it was a pretty gnarly crew. When, when they pull in, you're right there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, as soon as they pull in, your, we're in our, our valet shirt and our khakis. Your umbrella. Yeah. Like thing. it says, "Hey, yeah. you. This is valet parking, and you have to get." It is weird. Car. It is a weird concept. Like, why do you fucking yeah. have to argue this? I'm like, with you. It's a really it, weird concept. I think it's just. I mean, most places. It's a don't weird get me wrong. Concept. I always do it myself. Yeah. <laughs> it's limited. It's limited parking, and they got to kind of maneuver cars as. Oh yeah, we have to stack them. Yeah, we have to stack them two, three deep. I mean, it's either a super bougie place or it's a place that has now, limited parking. I will say this because it's a long time ago. Statute of limitations, I'm fine. Yeah. But my big thing was I stole change. 
Yeah. So I financed a semester in Europe by stealing change from cars <laughs> at the chart house. Yeah. Dude, so, you and every single valet right? parker in the world. Because right? I was, yeah, it's like, dude, they're they not going to have this quarter. quarter. They have no idea yeah. That, yeah. that this, and so it got No sunglasses, no wallets, no, just yeah. a few coins. Just in a couple coins, yeah. Coins, yeah. coins, 50 cents there here, been a 75 cents there. Too. So Ray-Ban. Yeah, I remember one, one of the Eric stole uh, dude left like a full on like it was like a quarter of weed in his thing and he's like check it out dude and he freaking stole it dude comes yeah, out what was he gonna say like you took my weed well he did he comes out and the dude is losing his mind he was kind of a muscly dude too I was like oh man this is not good and he's like you stole my fucking he's like let me call the cops <laughs> he's like and he was just like you little fuck he's like yeah. no seriously if you want I'll call the cops and they yeah. can just do the full investigation <laughs> so pissed that's too easy oh yeah Hey, you know, like, smart. Yeah. Somebody took my cocaine. Yeah. But then, yeah. did they really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and he didn't even hesitate. He's like, oh my gosh, really? Well, hold on. I'll call the police and yeah. we'll, we'll get to the bottom of this. So 911 is pretty easy to call. So you're a valet. I mean, a lot of people are like dishwasher. Then I got moved mm-hmm. up to the salad bar and then I got moved up to bus and then I got yep. moved up to, you know, waiter, you know, so. Yep. No, valet. Um, That's was, the best job. This guy, Dave, owned the lot. So Charthouse didn't own the lot. So oh, he-, he owned the lot. And so I got hired by this dude, Dave, who was a total burnout surfer as well. And like, you know, and like he owned a handful of lots around Melbourne, real smart guy that loved to surf. So all he had to do was just kind of check in on his lots, get his money picked up. So like the way he did it was we had a set number. Um, his approach was I don't charge for parking. He's like, so it's up to you guys. I need 80 bucks a night. Everything else on top of that is yours to keep. He's like, wow. so as long as you, he goes, and look, if it's under, he goes, if it's a slow night, just let me know and we'll, we'll just split it 50, 50. And so we were, he was super cool. So we never like, we never shortchanged him or anything. Or we're like, Oh, it was a slow night and kept more. No, if we, I made good money. Like I would get out of there probably with, and this is, you know, 1991, 92 ish. Um, I would get out of there with like 50 bucks in my pocket. Yeah. I mean, Valley night, parking- it was great. Aside from being a waiter, valley parking to me is yeah one of the most lucrative, easiest, funnest jobs. Yeah, it was right. Yeah, bartending yeah. too. But I mean, usually you're working for for surfers and people. That, you know, yeah. if you're going to college or whatever, yeah. it's a night. It's, it's a night gig. It's a night gig, yeah. unless it's like a Sunday weekend brunch yeah. type whatever. But yeah, which even That's, then, it's like I don't want to be in the way. But you're not putting in. He, he didn't in own the lot. He owned the service that took care. Yes. So of, like he he rented the lot from yeah. the chart house. Like he, you know, that's what yeah. it was. So it was his company. Not I didn't. It's almost like house. having a pool route. You know, you service the pool, but you're yeah, yeah you just service it. Yeah, exactly. You service service the lot, and so what a great yeah yeah it was great, and he made bank, and then he would also use it as the parking lot for the Getty Museum when it was there in Malibu. Yeah. So and he would run a shuttle. Out of there. Um, so, yeah. So, I did that. Um, Isn't it crazy how amazing these businesses are and they're so fucking simple, but oh, yeah. they're so lucrative? Just you recognize what's needed. Ugh. What what do we... You know, it's easy. he was a dude that was like, what is, what is needed? Yeah. yeah. Why do you want to deal with Valet's chart house? I'll do it for you. Yeah. Just let me use the lot. Can I get I'll a lot it. by Staples or by Dodger Stadium or by SoCo or so, yeah, right. the SoFi? Whatever. Exactly. So, like, so those... There's that one across the street from um, from the forum in SoFi, and I can't even imagine what that dude makes. It's just yeah. that he stacks car. You can probably stack a hundred cars in there. Yeah, we. I we, mean, it's we a just, fortune. We just paid seventy at the USC game. Isn't it crazy, dude. Ago. It is crazy. Seventy what bucks, and there's some. Yeah, and it was just same thing. Like garage just piling yeah. this in. 
You know, like That's right crazy. by the freaking yeah. school, and you're like, fuck. So you come out to Pepperdine. Mm-hmm. What was your major? Uh, poli sci and speech. So it was basically a pre-law major. So uh, you know, kind of the way I laid it out was I was able to get two degrees because um, some of the classes overlapped, and so I was like, wow, if I, could, I think I can thread this needle. So I um, so I got out with two degrees, one in speech communication and one in political science. So what <clears throat> what does it take to become a, a lawyer, litigator? Right. Like? So then I would have had to gone to law school. So the idea is you get your undergraduate degree, you take the LSAT, you know, law school. LSAT gets you into... Yeah, that's like the SAT for law school. Okay. And then um, you try to get into, you know, basically, if you want to be a politician, you've got to get into like one of the big five law schools. You know, you need to get into Harvard, Yale, Michigan's a big one. Like there's certain law schools that you want to get into um, Mm -hmm. in order to try to get on that track to clerk for a Supreme Court justice or a senator or something like that. Um, and, that's and that's what you thought you were going to do. That's what I thought do. I was going to do. Yeah. And then I realized... Because no. doctors and lawyers, I mean, doctor obviously is a totally different yeah. thing, but the steps to becoming a doctor, it's like it's a crazy. eight to ten years after college yeah. that you finally yeah. become a doctor. Med school, residency, yeah. and then if you're going to be a specialist, it's... Uh, yeah, my best friend's an uh, orthopedic surgeon. And, uh, and actually, he's one of the guys that really got me into surfing. And mm. it's crazy to th- like. And when I was working, you know, here's the, he's like one of the best orthopedic surgeons around anywhere. He's incredible. He went to Stanford, like super bright guy. Who um, is his name's Andy Carrick, and he works at St. Jude. Um, but he lives in Surfside. He you know grew up in Surfside, born and raised. Um, coolest and, guy, Andy Carrick. Yeah, and um, doctor. So if you get yes, exactly. If you ever get injured. Uh, he did my knee. He's, but for surfers especially, he's a surfer, so he can put it like, okay, I know he knows what yeah. waves do and what surfing does. So other doctors would have told me to stay off my knee for God knows how long, and yeah. he's just like, yeah, you could probably go out surf the river, longboard only, in about a week and a half, you're good. Like other these guys would be like, stay out of the water for six weeks. You can't, yeah. you know what I mean? So yeah. anyway. But I remember when he first got out from his special from his uh, residency. Or from his, he was doing his specialization at Stanford, and he became a resident at Van Nuys. We were living in the Valley, and I can just remember how hard they were scraping by, man. Like it yeah. was, like they were, like he and Laura, they were scraping by, and their kids are the same age as our kids, and so that's how we got to be real good friends. But I just remember thinking, like, dude, this guy freaking graduated, he played basketball at Santa Clara. Um, I was like, this guy is freaking brilliant. He's got med school. You know, Creighton Med School, Stanford, you know, residency or whatever. And, and here so he's just living in Van Nuys and he's in like a half a million dollars of debt. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, you become a surgeon and yeah. it's recession proof because we all act like idiots and tear our limbs up. And he yeah. gets it. Yeah. Himself. I mean, it's the long game, you know, they're, yeah. you know, you just, you know, these guys are obviously in it to, you know, they're so smart yeah. and they have a passion, like hopefully, and that's their, their niche. And like he's one of people. the, he's like one of the rare doctors. I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but you know, one of my college roommates, one of my best friends uh, is also a, a surgeon and he's actually the, the head surgeon at uh, USC now for the football team and stuff. Dr. Gamrat Seth was my college roommate, brilliant guy as they all are, but both of them like, have you ever noticed doctors are weird? Like they're yeah. socially awkward because yeah. they don't interact with society like 
the rest of us do. Like stare at books all day. Yeah, they stare at books. They're in school till they're 30. And so they have this weird social awkwardness typically. And like, thankfully, these two dudes are just like the coolest guys. Totally normal. And it's really rare. Doctors, you know, not to degrade them, but they're nerds. Right. You know, most of them. I would say 80% of them are like introverts that they, they don't look at things... It's different. The same way yeah. as a, a normal, like, run-of-the-mill person does. Yeah. Cause but this guy was a, a basketball player. And, you know, when you're yeah. on a team with sports, and, you yeah. know, like, if you're, you know, you play exactly. sports, it helps. He's, he was one. And same with Social staff. interaction. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But, so. but, I mean, you got to hand it to these doctors because they sacrifice so oh, much nuts. to do what they do. Yeah, you don't start making money till you're 30. Yeah. And all you do is dig yourself further and further into debt. You know, it is, but it's crazy. Not so only crazy. do they put their life work into it, they are strong enough and confident enough to do it. Yeah, put people's lives in your hands. Like that's it's, the it's a different deal. gnarly part about yeah, it. You're like people, man. It is. Like it you really know, is. You, you practice and you get good at something. You're like, yeah. fuck yeah, I could do this. Right. Like, I could fucking cut that person up, <laughs> and I'll sew him back up. Yeah. yeah. And he's, he's gonna walk out. He's yeah. gonna he's gonna be better in two weeks. Yeah. Like think about all the stuff that goes wrong, and you're just. You know, but there's this it's just you, repetitive and they're just embedded in they've 10, 10, 15 years of seeing that and doing that and watching, you know, that's why. Right. Like, you know, for us, like, I couldn't be a fireman or a doctor. Like, yeah. I'd be like, yeah, that's fucking gross. But some people just have the but, knack. Right. Putting people's lives in your, yeah. like saving people is one thing and then losing some is another. Yeah. Right. Very. And to be able to be fine with that. Yeah. You know, like hey, you that's that, fucking another, gnarly. You, you want the blue shirt or the black shirt? How many hats do you want? Right. Like, right. hey, why don't you add on this button? Now? This has this been doing that's, really killer. Like, yeah. That's a real struggle. Yeah. That's right. a real struggle. Exactly. That's but how you get paid a premium. I got to you know? tell one quick doctor, this brain surgeon I met at the airport in um, at, uh, John Wayne. Uh-huh. I, I think I was at a party at a hotel the night before. And this guy was at the same party, or not same hotel, because he's like, "Hey, were you were you part of that surf party?" And I'm like, "Yeah, were you there?" He's like, "Yeah." And then uh, we start chit chatting, and he was on his computer, and uh, I'm like, "So what? What do you specialize in?" He's like, oh, I'm a brain surgeon, and I'm like, "Really? <laughs> I've never met a brain right. surgeon." He's like, "Yeah, you know, it's blah 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 blah." And I go, what are you working on? He's like, oh, I'm setting up my playlist for a cert, uh, yeah, a, a, a procedure, yeah, right, because they have it all timed That's a out. Big thing, yeah, yeah. So he was making a playlist. I go, what music do you listen to? And he goes, Metallica. Yes, isn't that wild? And I'm like, what? Yeah, like the you're, the you sound, listen the rhythm. to Metallica? Yeah, yeah. And, and he was like, yeah. He's like, you know. I, I love that guy. Why. Yeah, I, I need right. brain surgery. I'm calling exactly. that. I was like exactly. blown right. away. It's like Metallica, yeah. Master of Puppets, and, and Isn't that wild. Yeah, I was just like, that's like thrash music, and it's you're working on a right. brain. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. open, brains yeah. exposed. <laughs> like you can't even have coffee, no shaking. Like right. you're yeah. listening yeah. to that. Wow. And, and he's like, yeah, you know, I I, I <laughs> program my music, 
And when I know that what's coming up, I know that I should be at this part of the procedure. Mm. That's great. And I'm like, bro, yeah, dude, you've blown my mind. Next surgeon. level. Yeah, that's yeah. fucking rad. Yeah. So you live that you're living in Pepper, you know, Malibu pretty okay. much, Pepperdine. Yeah. Have you what? I mean, you want, always wanted to surf growing up yeah. from skateboarding. Yeah. Have you ever surfed prior to moving out to California? No, had never surfed prior. <laughs> never uh, like on the lake behind a boat. Nothing like water skiing, water skiing, uh, hydrofoiling, snowboarding is the only snowboarding, snowboarding skating, skating. Yeah, frozen water. So I think like oh, it's gonna be easy. It'll just be this super easy transition. It's skating or snowboarding on water. So no big like deal. Nineteen. So I am eighteen. Eighteen. Yeah, and. Um, the first time I went out was a guy that lived in the dorm, Dave, who um, had a shoreboard. And like that's, and it just crushed. Not a great learner. No, not great. So we went to County Line and, um, summer. you know, and I'm just, summer. Yeah, it's, I think it was, I think it was second semester. Um, and I wish, it's so stupid. I mean, looking back on it now, just like how much better it could have been. Um, two of the guys that I met, like straight out the gate, as soon as I showed up, um, just, the best guys ever, Ethan and Enoch. And I don't know if a lot of people listen and they probably know Enoch Harris. He's like the, so you guys, so Enoch and I went to Pepperdine together. What? Shut the yeah, fuck so up! He's, he's probably the first guy that I met when Holy I walked shit. on One of the best campus. surfers around yeah. too. And just the raddest guy ever. And he and Ethan would constantly try to get me to come out with them. And who's like, Ethan? Dude, his brother. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. They so both went to Pepperdine. They both went to Pepperdine at the same time. And so Damn. Um, poor parents. Yeah. So um I wish I would have taken him up on it. It's funny, we, dude. We had like, Enoch on the podcast. Oh, have you yeah. right on? He's the best freaking guy. So, he was the best guy in college, man. That he was go did he did he introduce Arnett? Sunglasses to yeah. you back then? Um, I don't remember it started yet, but I can't yeah, I he hasn't so. started Arnett yet. I don't think he just I, I think he was high school, and then he went to college, and then he went to work for him. Yeah. yeah. So he had he he had not done. I, I'm trying to think. Did I get our nets when I was in college? He it, he might have. Yeah. He very well might. It have. Might have been right then. Yeah. Um, yeah. It might have been like right at that time. Yeah. So Enoch and I went to school together, and and, he, and I should have taken him up on for whatever reason I didn't. I was too busy partying and just like holy shit, this is amazing. Um, I'm free and I can party and I don't have to work. You know, it was kind of one of those You're not things. shoveling snow. Exactly. So I just like, all I wanted to do is party. <laughs> go to school and party. Freshman. A freshman year, Get right? freshman 15. Exactly. Yeah. Just did you join a frat? I did, yeah. So I, I joined the, basically kind of like the, the surfer, punk rock fraternity, Phi Zeta Chi. And, um, there's a surfer, they punk rock kind of, yeah, pretty much. It's, like, it's, it was, it's the misfits, like, people you're that, non, like, uh, like sport, you know, yes, like when it's a group of people that showed up at Pepperdine and did not know what Pepperdine was, did not realize <laughs> it was a super Christian school, and like, it was just like, holy shit, we need to find our people. And so, I love the Grateful Dead, what, a ton it of dead heads, Phi Zeta Chi. Phi, Phi, Zeta Chi, Zeta yeah, the, Chi, the Phi, okay. Z, and then the X. Dude, we're um, going to have to uh, incorporate that in the late night with Chalky, like, yeah. you know, <laughs> Phi, Zeta Chi, bitches. Right, exactly. <laughs> so we, but, but it's funny, so like the, because we didn't have fraternity houses, obviously, it's Malibu, but yeah. like the house they had, the Phi, Zeta Chi house was in Point Doom on Blue Water, because they had a key, because you got a key. Wow. So that's what our house was, it had the key. Um, to the gate and um, so anyway so yeah so my my friend Dave who lived in the dorm with us we'd go to county line 
I'd try to surf. I'd fail miserably. We'd go eat at Neptune's Net and then, you know, try it again over and over. And finally, my last uh, attempt, I sliced my foot open on, on one of the fins and had to go to, uh, and it's one of those indelible moments. I had to go to the ER to get stitched up. I ended up getting like, I don't know, 12 or 14 stitches or something in my foot. And um, as I'm sitting in the, uh, I'll never forget it. I'm sitting in the ER, you know, waiting. They got it all kind of bandages up while I'm waiting for the doc to stitch me up. And this, this, uh, this kid is in there, you know, with a pompadour and he's got this like super tight black shirt on and he's holding this, um, this like collection of maybe like four or five roses. And he looks at me and he goes, no, oh, what are you in here for? And I was like, oh, I cut my foot surfing. And because we didn't go until later that night because my foot, because we're idiots, right? So my foot would not stop bleeding all day. And I'm just like changing the band-aids and stuff. Wow. And finally my buddy's like, dude, we got to get you to the hospital. Yeah, like, you better you, get you So I didn't go until like eight at night or something because it wouldn't stop bleeding. Because so, you're drinking. Exactly. And drinking was, and partying. Like, whatever. Oh, shit. It's still bleeding. <laughs> what are we doing? Whatever, man. So, yeah. So, it's late at night. And it's like 10 at night, 9 or 10. And he's like, what are, what's wrong with you? And I was like, oh, I cut my foot open, surf. And I was like, what's going on with you? He's like, it's the worst night ever. I was at the Morrissey show. <laughs> and I got in and I was in the front row. And there was just so much pressure. And they... They were just pressure on my chest. And he's like, and then I remember he just goes, I didn't even give him my flowers. Is he there for a broken heart? I don't know. So I'll never forget the day I stitched up. Exactly. I'll never forget the day that I had to get my foot stitched up. Really because of that dude. I was like, this is the funniest thing ever. So that turned me off from surfing. So I was like, no, this ain't for me. Back to this fucking pompadour guy. Yeah, yeah. Was he hurt? I have no idea. <laughs> like, I have no idea. Like, the way he described it, he's, he's, he's just like, crushed. I was in the front, and I couldn't breathe, and they were just, there was so much pressure. <laughs> and I just remember the way he was talking. That's what he sounded like. There was so much pressure on my back, and I was pressed against the stage. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Nobody was there to help me. Oh, it was too good. I, seen, I didn't give his flowers. Yes. I bet that's People a fucking really like good Morrissey, concert, though. though. You know what's funny? It probably, so... I don't, I'm, I, you know, yeah. I'm sure we'll get to it. I, mean, but I was in the music business music for a while, too, like, but uh, but fuck Morrissey. Like I can't begin to tell you how much I hate that guy. <laughs> dude, um, skateboarders love Morrissey. Oh, I love Morrissey. And don't get me Smiths, wrong. Love right? the Smiths. Love the music. But I worked in. You know, I was. I wasn't just on the morning show. I was a music director at K Rock for a while. I worked for record companies for twelve years. Well, Morrissey, before we get to there, yeah. yeah. So so sorry, but I was just saying, he's surfing. a nightmare. So anyway. You got off surfing because of that. So I was like, that. yeah, because of that. I was like, it's just not for me. I'm not meant to surf. Okay, it ain't, bad it ain't my first thing. Yeah. Go. It was bad just attempts, not. So yeah. I just wrote it off. So that was it. So that was, you know, live in Malibu. Don't surf. Just, but was friends with everybody, you know, and, yeah. and appreciated it and had always wanted to, to kind of get after it. And and that just was it for me. Turn, you, totally turned me did off. Did you bring your skate? Were you still skating? Yeah, I was still skating. Was still snowboarding, was still doing all that, yeah. but but surfing. Surfing was, was that last life. It's yeah. like I really wanted to do it, and it just—it's the hardest thing to learn. And I think it's you know it's as I taught my kids how to you know surf and stuff. You realize, oh no, you just need someone that knows how to teach you, or else it is such a miserable experience. Plus the equipment that you start exactly on. right. Yeah, you know exactly right. Well, that like, and starting in a cruiser wave versus like you know something that's going to thrash you and not which, you know, yeah yeah it's good I experience. Mean, that's the 
the biggest misnomer of of like being a frother like or a kid or anybody who's really excited to learn surfing and they just they don't get the best advice and they always start off on like oh that's a surfboard like exactly that's this is six foot and i weigh this much and you know it's you have to learn on a long board exactly you have to learn on a thicker used board 100 you know is going to help you it's more stable and not like a little rice rocket 100 you know? so and that's and, what i was on it was yeah. a nightmare <clears throat> and the right type wave too you know oh county line was big it's heavy it's you know back the days that we were going out it was big yeah you know and it was just and and i think people don't you don't realize, oh yeah, dude, just sit in the whitewash. You'll be yeah. fine. Just get yeah. a little momentum, learn how to pop up. No, no, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna get this thing yeah. right in the peak and get in the pocket and we're gonna be good. And it was like, no, and disaster. When you think it, we talk about this a lot when we talk about learning how to surf, like it's so fucking if no one's telling you what to do or giving you advice, watching somebody do it, you're like, oh. That looks simple, right? Yeah. Like hundred percent. They put the board on the on the water and then they start paddling yeah. out. But sitting on the water, laying on top of the board, that's a lesson in itself. That's 100%. a that's an hour lesson. That's 100%. a that's a two day like learning experience. Hundred like, percent. Yeah. Because and then the paddling. And then but, the, yeah, there's the, a, the duck diving. Oh the, God. Well, that, yeah, you're not duck diving as a beginner, yeah. but, but no, but there's all those nuances yeah. of like how to properly not get worked and have a better time and not get yeah. like just worn and, out. And even when you're you know 30 years into it, you're still getting worked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dude, this morning, yeah, I, my 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 granny's eight, and I was like, okay, we're trying to we're out of the white water. We're trying to catch like little waves. We're right. at Blackies. And, you know, he's paddling too straight. I'm like, no, you got to paddle and try to just go out of just yeah. a little bit of an angle. So it kind of shoots you into the wave and you're going, you go straight. And it's like, you can't turn. Yeah. And he got a couple where he, right. you know, he like sloped into it. And it was just like, and he, and he, he kicks out of the wave. He's throwing these shotguns right. and stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, see, I told you, like, exactly. you, you know, you go straight, you're going to pearl or, you know, it's going yeah. to, you're just going to go straight. Surfing but, is fucking gnarly yeah. so hard. It's yeah. so hard. Like, Sitting on the board, I always say this, like, it's you, if you don't, like, figure out the sweet spot, you're always, like, falling. Oh, yeah. That board squirts out. 100%. You know, or, or you know, you just, fall the side. Just leaning in and pivoting to, to turn, you know? Yeah. Like, you're, 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 yeah. it's like... And then, and then the, the gauging uh-huh. and, like, you know, kind of the timing of, like, okay, when should I start piling right. for a wave? You know, like... <laughs> I mean, sitting in the whitewash is the key. Yeah, and letting the wave 100%. take you—it's so easy. Stand up in the whitewash, and, and it, it's funny. Like my, the thing I always say to people because I have a bunch of friends who come out from Midwest, and they're like, "Dude, take me surfing." Yeah, yeah. Surf like, and so I would always say the same. Like when they they get, they, I can tell when they start giving me a little bit of attitude. I'm like, "Hey, dude, let me put it to you this way: <laughs> Think about when you first started skating. Yeah. Do you think you would have been able to grab that skateboard?" Pushed around, yeah. done all your turns, 180s, 360s. Yeah. I, I was like, that's what you think you can do. Like, yeah. You have this in your mind that you're just going to get in the water yeah. and you're going to be able to skate like you did after you did it for six months. Yeah. I was like, it's not easy. I was like, we're going to put you, you're going to stand on the skateboard and we're going to teach you how to push 
and how to balance so you don't fall over and the board doesn't kick out from under you and you crack your head on the cement. Like, that's what this is. It's well, no different. Surfing looks pretty graceful and looks kind of smooth and easy and yes. stuff, but it's like, that's the, that's the final, like... Output. Output of, like, everything else that we've been talking about. Yeah, like, right. that's the end result of everything else of, you know, 100%. positioning and paddling and catching and turning and having the right sweet spot on the board. And all those people you're watching, you know, all your friends yeah. are like... They've been doing this every day yeah, for all time. Exactly. You know? And the guy that's not, the guy that's purling over there, yeah. he's like you, just learning. Exactly. <laughs> skateboarding, I mean... It's hard. It's hard, but it's so much easier to learn, you know? Because it, it is... Yeah. You're on the ground that's not moving. Right. Like, it's not, you're the exactly. one that's going to make this exactly. move. Exactly. You know? It's not the ocean right. moving. And, and it's not finicky. And it's not going to change. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, you're in more. You're in control. Yes. Where the ocean is in control. Exactly right. And the thing about skateboarding too, like, it's so awesome. Any anything that you like doing, once you hit a milestone, like like you said when you were talking about skateboarding, like learning where to put your foot and then coordination of right. pushing, pushing, and then boom, you're sailing right. And then what really cool about skateboarding too that's like so stupid and easy the the tic-tacking right oh yeah and that's like where you're like creating oh, momentum shit. by tic-tacking yeah. like when you start learning how to tic-tac you're yeah. like this is fucking yeah. awesome this is this is more like skateboarding like this is yeah. you know what i mean like oh yeah it gets so yeah. hooked into that there's so many like <clears throat> nuances like i said like that just are so remedial but yet they're so important in the yeah. process of learning and like getting comfortable right you know? It's like anything. I mean, it's anything you do. You need reps. Yeah. You need reps. There's so no, what no. was your next experience after taking some time off? And, you know? So I am, I'm like, I'm, I'm the nightmare, right? I'm a COVID surfer. So everything shut down. I live in Seal Beach. And Wait, you didn't start until COVID? I didn't pick it up again until COVID. So That's I just... crazy. Yeah. So I started surfing again in 2019 because I was just like, well, I live across the street from the river. Everything's closed. They can't kick me out of there. Now they tried, but I just decided, all right, I'm gonna get back in. Wow. And um, and ever since then, I literally surf every day. So I've surfed <laughs> every day for the most part, unless something's come up. But yeah. I mean, I'll surf probably 320 days a year, 350, you know, 320, yeah, like that's that's every day. So. COVID drove you back to surfing. Back into the water because everything was closed. Yeah. And I can't, I'm not an inside person. Like, I need to be, Yeah, I'll go crazy. I, I, I get cabin fever. So, so I you're was just, the first guest that we've talked to that restarted surfing or started surfing because of COVID. Yeah. Oh, I'm definitely the biggest kook you've ever had. No, no, no. There's no question. No, it's it's, it's cool it's not because... not about that. Like, yeah. we, we've never had that. Yeah. Because we talk, we've talked about how much COVID has helped our industry with right. new participants and new people to the sport. Obviously, it wasn't new to you. You've been around it, but yeah. Yeah, but it, it was yeah. it locked you into yeah. this new lifestyle. You know, yeah. yeah. Everybody, you know, I think a lot of people in COVID were like, "Okay, well, I've got this downtime. What am I going to add? Yeah. What can I do? Like, you know, let me let me figure out something that I can add to to myself to better myself." And so for me, yeah. It was, there's no one in the water. I need to be outside. Yeah. I'm going to go figure Do it out. Do something healthy. Yeah. And yeah. so that's what it was. Um, but what I, I always tell people, and you know, you're like, oh, I'm a biggest kook or whatever. Yeah. But at the 
end of the day, at the end of a wave, like the stoke you get on a wave at, at your ability, that high, that rider's high, even though it's totally different than what, you know, I would look at you and like, yeah, he's just kind of fucking cool. <laughs> he's say whatever. Yeah. And you kicked out and a smile, like, right. I, I would, you know, for me to get that, it's a totally different experience, but at the same time, we, we, we're getting that same thing. 100%. Point, yeah. You know? Like, 100%. You're, like the exhilaration, that fulfillment, that, that yep. ride, that, that fun, everything that is why you're doing it yeah. and why yeah. it's so freaking awesome. It's the same reason why we do it. Yeah. It's the same reason, even though the, the caliber is different. But we're just better at it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but, but ultimately, it doesn't matter. And that's where it's like, I see people like, oh, that kook. It's like, dude, you don't know how fucking, yeah. how stoked they are right now. Right. You don't know what's going through your mind. 100%. They might be, yeah. in your eyes, like somebody that's just like, it doesn't matter. Right. So, you know? So before matter. then, you were golfing. Golfing. Like, what was your pastime? Golfing? Um, golfing, yeah. So I belonged to Old Ranch. Um, we used to live uh, really close to Old Ranch before we moved to Old Town. Um, we lived closer over there, um, right by the, the country club. So we would go there, uh, or I would go there probably like three times a week. I'd play golf. I had a group of guys, super cool guys that we'd play with. Uh, Dawn Patrol, which was great. It works perfect with surfing. So just because with my job, I do afternoons on the radio, so I've got to do everything early. So... Dawn Patrol Golf, and I would even do run golf, like my friend Doug and I, we would jog the whole 18, you know, six miles, and we'd get it done in under two hours, um, and just run the course um, as a workout and play golf, and like got super into it, but then I just sort of realized, um, why do I, like, why am I in such a bad mood every time I get up the course, you know, because it's, it's a, it's a, it's just a, it's a mind fuck. It really is, like, you can <laughs> never, you can never perfect it, when you get, when you start getting good, because we always play for money. Like when you start getting good, you really get screwed gambling because you're just in that really bad spot where you're like a seven or a nine and you're playing with guys that are 14s and you're giving strokes and you're like, dude, I'm losing like 200 bucks on a round. This, I can't do you're this. You're always yeah. drinking. Then you're drinking and you're just miserable. And so I realized golf is not healthy for me. Like I need to get back to a place. And that's what I always tell people about surf. Like, dude, what happened to you? Yeah. Like, you just you surf every day. And I was like, yeah, you have any idea like how stoked I am when I get out of the water? Like, I'm in the best mood. Yeah, I've set my day and my course for my day, and like, I just had the most amazing hour and a half. And I, you know, I'm sure a million people have said it, and you guys know it, but I, I believe it, man. Like, salt water does something to you. Oh, yeah. There is something in that Found ocean that it is. It does something to your soul, to your being, and. I said it's completely changed my life. Like I think it's, it's just not. It's getting off the ground and in the water and the fluidity, fluidity, yeah. and just like I think it's a. It, there's a there's, bunch of things. Yes. It's just it's a, it's a culmination of like a bunch of things. It's the not energy of the earth. You kind of like drop everything off off mind a little right. bit. There's no phone. You're so focused on like catching waves or just enjoying what's out there, you know, and yeah. then you know. I always say it's the best non-workout you'll ever get. You know, exactly. Like if, if you're not catching a lot of waves and it sucks, just do a lot of paddling and right. Be like, oh, at least I got a good workout. Yeah. So, you you decide to surf again. Uh huh. What equipment did you start on? So I started on a sup because originally I was just going to paddle around to get a workout. So that's what I started on was this giant ass Jody. You probably know Jody from Surfside. So Jody, Jody set me up. Yeah. So Jody sets me up on this tent. Well, my First, my friend Andy, the doctor, gives me his 11-foot sub. He's Dang, like, just go paddle around, yeah. figure out how to balance. 
Um, I think kind of his idea was if I can just get you out there because no one was out there to help. Nobody else. I was there by myself. Like literally I'm in the middle of the ocean. There's no one else out there. It's COVID. Like people weren't, I think people were still not sure. Like, can I go into the water? I don't know. And so I was like, whoops. All right. So I took this big 11 foot sup out and then I start, then I talked to Jody. She's like, I got, I can get you something. So she gets me uh, a sup to get on. And so like, that's what I learned on was this. This 10 6 up was my first thing. And then, you know how it is. Like, that's the other great thing about surfing. It's like, it's just such a unique community where it's this community of, of for the most part, you know, I think, of helpers. Like, yeah. you know, you meet people that just want to help you, that are stoked that you're stoked. You're lucky want- you, you had helpers. There's definitely people that would have said, hey, what the fuck are you doing Exactly. <laughs> but I always, I was always very conscious. I think because I did it before, I yeah. kind of knew the rules. And I always stayed out of people's way. And, like, I became sort of, like, the way I looked at it was, all right, well, I'm not good enough yet to get in their way. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to help them. And I would, like, call out waves. I'd be like, hey, next one, next one. You know, shit like that. And people were into that. They're like, hey, this guy's super cool. Like, he's not taking any waves. He's letting me know yeah. there's a bigger wave coming. I'm going to wait. And, like, I'm getting the set wave now. And so... I think I made friends sort of that way in the wave. And that's when um, uh, it's so Rob Colby, who's a good friend of mine, uh, when I was supping, he's like, what the fuck are you doing on a sup? And he's, and I was like, well, you know, so I, I injured. I don't know if you can see it. So I blew up my shoulder. Oh, shit. Snowboarding. So like my, I have no muscle on my back. Like it totally destroyed nerves in my what AC joint. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. Didn't mean to get you to lose your appetite. So, wow. So it's hard for me. Like I don't have as much strength in this half of my body because of the nerves totally atrophied because of the nerves and so rob's like why aren't you surfing i was like well it's hard for me to paddle with this uh with my left arm and and so the sup it's easier i can use the paddle and i can leverage it and it's and he just goes you know there's a there's a girl that has no arm (laughs) And I, was like, I was like, yeah, he's like, she goes like, so. Give it up to Colby to just fucking put things in this. Right, he's like, he's like, you know, she has no arm, right? So you're telling me you're in worse shape than her. And I was like, that's a good point. So what that's what the five cent figures say to the face. <laughs> exactly. So as soon as he said that, I was like, you're right. That's a great point. And that's when I just started prone surfing. And yeah. I was like, all right, fuck this up. And I just started yeah. uh, on this 9 4. Like you said, old beat up log that uh, my buddy got when he was because he said he's a liquor guy, and so he, he made these surfboards for Stoli, and so he yeah, let me have funny. this nine four single fin, and that's you know, and then I got a wave storm. I was like, they're like, oh yeah, dude, get get a foamy, you know, get a shorter foamy that'll help you get used to it, and so I just kind of was for the most part self taught. There were a couple guys out in the wave. This guy Matt. Um, who's a Navy guy, super cool river guy. And he really helped me out along the way. And then, then after that, after I kind of had the basics, it became this just obsession of, okay, I need to get better. I need to figure this out. And it's super addicting. Yeah. yeah. So is a hell of a drug. (laughs) Yes, it is. And so that became my thing. So I was able to, you know, whittle my way down to now have, and I mean, look, it's like, like when people see me surf and they're just like, wait a minute, you started surfing when? I was like, well, yeah, but remember, I surf every day. Like, so for the majority of people who surf for 20 years, I probably surf more than they have just because it's, I'm able to get in every day in the morning. So, you know, I feel pretty good about sort of what it's 
become. Like I have my longboard that I love, my 90, and it's a great river board. And it's probably, you know, between like Sano and PV Cove and the river and those spots. Like I, those are probably my favorite days when they're big and they're really good. I don't know if there's anything I enjoy more, but you know, Rob was able to introduce me to Tim and, and he's made me, you know, some really cool, uh, like this seven, six that got me to start moving my head off from the longboard to, okay, now let's kind of start working the wave a little bit more. Little and then, more and then, uh, and then Rob put me into a five, eight mankind. And so now I'm kind of working that and trying to Whoa. figure that out. And, um, and so it just became this, you know, how it is just yeah, this yeah. obsession yeah. That, that I'm trying to, to get it all right, you know, and, and driving up and down the coast and trying different waves yeah. and, well, the thing is, like, yeah, there's different days for different equipment, too. You 100%. Know? So, you know, you might ultimately, like, try. I'm trying to progress and get a smaller board and work yeah. the waves, but there's a lot of days where it's, like, it's not really meant yeah. for that type of board. Yeah, know? like, this whole week at the at the pier has just been great. It's been fun. So, I've been on that 5.8 all week. Yeah. And, you know, it's just been firing. So, um, but then, at the same time, like, I was this close to going to PB Cove today because it looked like it might be the right angle and i was like i think it might work maybe i'll go up there and um yeah it's just like i said it's it's the best non-workout you can do yeah right? between no, that for and, sure so so let's go back to yeah, yeah, college yeah uh you're you're gonna you're gonna be a, a lawyer a lawyer yeah uh what was the fork in the road yeah so this i think it, it again goes into you know a big you know a, a big mantra of mine on life and, and success and that's you know, say yes to everything, treat people with respect, you know, be honorable, um, people that you may not think, or maybe they can't, you know, that they, they aren't going to, to, to pull you up and, and help you become better in your careers. You never know, you know, you still treat them the same. And so I was working in the admissions department because that was part of my scholarship where I had to give X number of hours to Pepperdine. Um, and there was um, a girl who worked there by the name of Katie and she knew I worked at the radio station and said, hey, are you, you're into music, right? Yeah, well, my bro, my boyfriend... Hold, uh, on, hold on. You already started working at the radio station? So I'm working at the school, school, school KMBU. Okay. So she's like, hey, you're, you're working at the radio station here. You're into music? Yeah, well, my boyfriend works for Polygram and they're looking for interns. Would you be interested in that? And so I was like, fuck yeah. Was, you know, was that a radio... Record label. No, the, the radio station, was that part of... Uh, what <clears throat> part of the deal? No, that was just a club. It's okay. like you could you could apply, and so I did the Grateful Dead Hour at um, at, at KMBU my freshman and sophomore year, um, and it was that whole. Everybody had told me my whole life, "Hey, you've got a radio voice. You should get into that." So I was like, "Hey, you know what? I'll try it out. See what mm. happens. Maybe I like it." So that was your first first job on radio okay. was college Grateful Dead Hour. Um, and so she then got me that gig at. Uh, You're listening to Mike, and it's twelve oh six. Well, that's what's funny. Like you, you know, that's kind of. I stick. had the reads, and yeah. I was like, you know, but it was like. Is it so PG? Much, huh? Yeah. 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 Total but, PG. Yeah. For the Grateful Dead, though, is so know. that was super easy. Yeah. It was just like you know, and back then, you know, I had a handful of tapes. I didn't have a lot. You know, because it was 91, so it was hard to get your hands on on tapes back then. Like, now you can get any concert you want, you know, at the snap of a finger. But back then, I'd be like, hey, here's, you know, this this is, I don't know, Tinley Park, 89, because that was one of the shows I was at. You know, first set, 
that's it, you know. But so Katie was like, hey, my Polygram's looking for interns. Are you interested? I said, yeah. So I got an internship at Polygram Label Group um, for two I people. I almost remember that. PLG? That, yeah. Yeah, they were, there was this window of time when everything was consolidated under one roof called PLG. And so it was Island Records, Mercury Records, London Records. Um, I think those were the big three. Uh, started with an A. I can't remember what it was now. There was another label, maybe Atlas or something. Anyway, there were like yeah, four Atlas. labels under one group. I and think so Zeppelin had a bunch of uh, albums, yeah, albums I can't on Atlas. I can't remember who. It might not have been Atlas then because it was a small little indie rock. They had Tonic. Um, that was like their big artist uh, that had a hit. But So I end up working for these two people, Vicky and Bill. Um, both have since passed. Awesome people, amazing people. Um, and was, was it Hollywood or was it? It was um, four hundred five ten. The those white high rises. Oh yeah, right there. Those three white high rises. It was in there. And basically, the first thing uh, that I was tasked with was getting Vicky her cool her cool miles two packs. She smoked two packs of cigarettes a day. And I had to get them <laughs> on my way in. She'd reimburse me, and all they were like eight, cool. You know, Six fifty for the two packs. She'd give me ten Slams, bucks. Slams menthols. Exactly. That, menthols, that sh- dude. Yeah. That logo and the name is right. Kind of like rad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. K O O L and the the O's were interlocked. Interlocked yeah. and yeah. in green. That mint green. Yeah. Exactly. You want to smoke because it's oh cool. yeah. <laughs> and so that's what we did. We all just smoked <laughs> and um, and so I stay up all those weird hours. Exactly. Know? So my job was just. Basically, a little like whatever they needed marketing wise, like, hey, I need to send this out. Can you type me up something that says this? No pay framework. Because I'm an intern, yeah. But the pay was CDs. So they would give you. You you know you could you could I, you figure out how to work it so I would get CDs and yeah, then tons of promo and you now you get, have so I could get a case of CDs like the big ones you know like Melissa Etheridge and now you're slinging those out. at school so not even at school you could just take them straight to the warehouse and I would take them there and they would give me like oh you sell warehouse music bucks warehouse for yeah remember the music yeah. yeah yeah so we had the one so I would take them there and they give me hundred bucks for a case of thirty and that's how I would get paid yeah. Um, I thought you were going to use them for your radio station. Oh, yeah. No. Fuck no. So, <laughs> make money. so but, um, but yeah, so I did that two days a week. Um, and then that's how I got the Kevin and Bean job. So it's funny. So I was, um, so she says, so Vicky says to me, hey, Kevin and Bean are looking for a full-time phone screener. Would you be interested? And I was like, what does that mean? And she's like, so you basically do nothing but answer the phones all morning show long. And if something interesting comes up, you tell the guys, hey, this is a call I think you want to take. Or they'll do phone-driven segments where they're looking for callers to talk on this particular topic, and you've got to weed through them and find people that you think will be good on the air. Huh. And so I was a like... A different kind of telecommunications. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, they're selling me. I'm not selling them. Yeah. They're like, hey, you need to put me on the air because, and I get to figure that out. And so it worked because of the hours. You know, it was 5 a.m. to 10 a.m. And this is what, 92? This is 94. And it's still the height. Ninety three height of radio and K Rock. Oh, huge! K Rock's Nirvana, Pearl Jam have just exploded. So yeah. that's this. This is grunge has just arrived. So wow. it's Nirvana. Never mind. Like I remember being at KMBU when the program director walked in and said, "Dude, this record is going to blow your fucking mind." And I was like, "What record?" And the, it was Nirvana. Was the never poor mind. Poor man still there? It was poor man was not there. Poor okay. man was gone. 
Um, but Fig was there. So okay. Fig and I, Fig was just the sweetest, as you know, just the yeah. sweetest guy ever. So Fig was doing our surf report. So um, so I was so Fig was there. Ricky Rockman was doing Love Line with Drew. Not it was post Poor Man. Yeah. Because um, Poor Man and Bean had had that huge fight, That's, and yeah. he got fired. Um, so I'm like, well, yeah, they're paying eight bucks an hour. It's five hours that I can arrange my class schedule where I can take classes starting at noon instead of early. I can work Kevin and Bean and. Um, and I wanted to be like at that point I had decided I'm not gonna be a lawyer. I, I wanna get into music. Hmm. And because dude, people I was working for, they were making bank. Like yeah. they were freaking driving massive benzos and living in freaking Malibu. And I was the like, poly, shit. Poly. Yeah, they're music executives. Yeah. So I was like, dude, I can do this and I feel like I'm as smart as these people are, or I can at least figure this thing out. And but I don't no know one has told you yet that your voice is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They had. They had. But I wasn't because because the people at radio they weren't making the kind of money that these music executives yeah, are making. Yeah. But I was like, oh, whatever. I'll go do it and I'll figure it out. And so when I went to K Rock, um, I'll never forget the day that I got hired because I was at the Dead Shows in Vegas at the Silver Bowl, and I am fried completely. Fried and LSD. Yes, and I'm at uh, and I'm at yes, my, yeah, and I'm at my buddy Mark's house because we're like that the show isn't starting till later, but we were anyway. And um, this is pre cell. But we were anyway. Yeah, this is this is pre cell. Like whatever. Let's just take it really, early. Really Let's take it early. I mean, the shit's gonna last eight hours, so we might as well take it at noon. Who cares? Um, so yeah, so I. I can't remember, like, I must have had the foresight to ask him what his parents' number was in Vegas. Because I got the call from Frank Murphy, who was the producer, in Vegas. And uh, and and I was like, just, hello? And he's like, Matt? Like, yeah, this is Frank. Hello, Frank. Um, I think we're going to hire you for the Kevin and Bean show. And I'm like, oh, that's great, man. All right. That's going to be cool. And he's like, where are you? I was like, oh, I'm in Las Vegas right now. He's like, okay, could you... Could you start Monday? And I was, you know, we had a show on Sunday, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll be there on Monday." <laughs> so, so what was this for? This was for the phone screener okay, for phone Kevin screener. and Bean. Okay. So that's so cool. Eight bucks yeah, an hour. Eight bucks an hour answering phones, but I'm working with Kevin Bean, Jimmy Kimmel, Adam Carolla, um, and K Rock is at its is is now you know so Darcy is the music director and I was just able to reconnect with her so Darcy was the music director back then Darcy Fulmer she ended up running VH1 for a while when wow. it first launched um, and so it's the peak of K Rock Kevin Weatherly is there as the program director you know Richard Blade Tammy Heidi Jed Je- the Fish Jed and Fisher yeah Je- exactly they're no. all it's it's like the yeah. it's in Sluggo's doing nights and you know I mean, Ricky it was and KNAC and, and K Rock yeah. and then occasionally KLOS, yeah. you know, if you're like right. running some classics. But it's, it's crazy it's, because uh KLOS was older yeah. Yeah. and more like classic, classic. rock. Right. And then K Rock, I feel like they started in the eighties. Yes. Right? Yeah. And they they're still around. Yeah. Right? So the big... like they, they're, they're not new age. Canacy is like, gone. Yeah. They're, so the big turning point, like they, there was this fork in the road. And, Personalities and, and shows. It, well, so it was music though. So yeah. it was interesting. For whatever reason, uh, K-Rock was rock of the 80s. It was the Cures, the Mode. It was the yeah. Smiths. It was the New Order. The rock of the 80s? 
and <laughs> KLOS was Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, mm-hmm. you know, and Nirvana and Pearl Jam and all that hit. And they got to pick. And Kevin Weatherly, who ran K Rock, was like, "We're gonna own this. This is gonna be something. I can feel it. I know it." it. And KLOS was like, "I don't think this is us. Yeah, this might be KNAC. This this is not KLOS." So they end up letting K-Rock take ownership of the grunge movement. And K-Rock went from being like this big to this big because they were now playing the most popular music in the world. And that's when they completely went into the stratosphere. Which so crazy. surprises yeah. me because I feel like the new wave thing was big. catapulted It, it was big, but yeah. it was nowhere near as big as rock. Yeah. Huh. Like because they pulled in all that. Because, you know, the, the new wave stuff is very female- you know, oh. the dudes were into it, but not like, you know, if you think about it, like if you go to a Depeche Mode show or a New Order show or a Cure show, it's yeah. mostly women. It's, yeah. it's a lot it of women, you go, know. Go Go's and Talking Heads, right. and, you know, it was a lot of just. Blingo, that, Blingo. Yeah, like and the flip side of that, if you think of KLOS, if you were to go to. It was your dad's, like, real yeah. class. dudes. Zeppelin, Floyd, you know, Rolling that Stones, sort of. Tom or, Petty, yeah. Rolling Stone, like it's but dudes. The grunge thing is funny because. You know, when you listen to it now, that could have been so KNAC. Totally, too, you it know, it could have been KNAC, but it's way more rock and roll. Yeah, it should have been KLOS. Like, yeah. there's no reason for them to have yeah. walked away from that. That's what's like, so weird. It's about Jam it. and Nirvana. Right? That's like rock Alice and roll. in Chains. Like Alice in Chains. Yeah. Well, well, Chili Peppers was on like. Chili Peppers, like on, Chili Peppers was on K Rock, but it's remember, K-Rock, like but... Chili Peppers prior to the Rick Rubin record, to the Blood Sugar Sex Magic, was still very funky. Like even yeah. Mother's Milk was still really? a pretty yeah. funky yeah. record. Super so, like new wave punk. Yeah, rock. so yeah. that was just a Rick Rubin special, the mm. the Blood Sugar Sex Magic that moved them into that Another, other lane. Yeah, yeah, it took them out of that sort of rap rock because you know Anthony can't really sing. So, you know, he was always just kind of like a rapper. like a rapper, yeah. you know. But Ruben's like, no, I, we can make this work. We can figure it out. And It's so know. crazy. Like, how, we lived through that, like, that, you know, crazy era. music era, you yeah. know. And it was, like, just game changer. Like, you know, music was everything at that, you know. Yeah. I'm talking about our age, you know, age oh, yeah. was impressionable. More. But we, you know, there was, we went from, like, listening to our dad's parents music you know because that's all we listen to as your kid you become a teenager it's like i'm my own person 100%. i got deep my first you know you know album was uh devo and then you know like uh, i don't even know what else was after that but, oh yeah you you find music that's but, yours but like, and you want your parents to hate it yeah like you don't want them to like your music but that was you know like guns and roses metallica was already out yeah, you know right. bc boy it was like there, there was a lot and of rap was happening too. rap yeah. was happening as yeah. well and then yeah it was fun i mean there was yeah. but okay so yeah there's a lot of different limbs on this tree so, so you, you you um your screener yes and like you said before it was either like there's a topic that you screened uh-huh. for or it was just like so it's funny like that i almost like don't even think about the like I didn't even think about that job as my job when I was there it was weird like I rarely think about screening calls because Kevin like the great thing about Kevin and Bean were they didn't care what your title was it was how can you help the show yeah so if I could help the show by screening great yeah when, when it's time to do a caller driven segment I'm on the phones and I'm finding the right people and they were like you're great at this this is great we don't get shitty calls and people that suck this is but like shock jock or like like something that's super interesting yeah. like, like drive and, and they weren't really shock jocks there were a lot of caller driven segments yeah. um 
But Jimmy was just, uh, he's a saint, dude. He was just the coolest guy. And he's like, he, he was always trying to find ways to get other people involved in the show. Like his, and you can see it with his late night show, right? With like Guillermo and Frank and like all these little segments, these, these offshoot figures that just work there, but he wants to make them part of the show. That was always his vision on Kevin and Bean as well. He's like, all right, what can Matt do for us? Let's figure out how we can use him to make the show better. That's awesome. And, and so when I first started doing that, like Jimmy wasn't really a sports guy. I mean, he is, he likes sports, but he was just wanted to get on the air. Like yeah. he was a host in Palm Springs and they were like, well, when they interviewed him for the sports job, they're like, you're too big for this. He's like, I don't give a shit. I'll do sports. Just get me on the air. That's all I care about. I need to get to L.A. And so that's how I became Jimmy the sports guy because he just wanted to be on the radio. Mm. Um, and he used the sports, Jimmy the sports guy, as an opportunity to get a bigger role. So he would do sports, but then he would do funny voices and he would do weird interviews and things like that. Um, and that's just kind of what he and what, what he was able to instill in me, which is find the lane. Where is it? Where figure out how you can help the show, and I'll get you on the air, and let's let's make that happen. Um, and so when he left to go do uh, the Man Show, that it was just an easy transition for me to become their sports guy because they were like, "Oh yeah, Matt's great. He's he knows sports. He he knows our sense for, of humor." I forget that K Rock even talks sports. Yeah, but we only did it five minutes at the back end of the hour, so we would do it at five fifty five, six fifty five, seven fifty five. Mm. Um, would just I would have that five minute window to do a sports report, uh, but then I would also do voices and come up with segments in the post show. Any commercial like readings that. and stuff? Like and they they would not let back then. It was weird. They did not let their jocks do commercials. Kevin Weatherly was opposed to that. But so while I'm doing that, Weatherly, who is the guy that runs K Rock, yeah. says, "Hey, I was one of the few young people that like that were that was there." at the time so he's just like what do you do and so he's a very smart guy and he's like what do you you know and I was like oh college radio station go to Pepperdine he's like oh cool he's like you know we do these music meetings on Tuesdays it'd be great if if you could come in and just bring some music that you guys are all listening to he's like and and you know what if you don't mind we'd love to if you're all right with it we'll send you home with do you have a cd player I was like yeah I got a cd player he's like yeah I'll, I'll send you home with some cds if you can listen to some stuff this is what we're thinking about playing I'd love to kind of get your your vibes on it you know maybe you could play it for some of your roommates and shit he's a very bright he's like you know at that time he's probably like i'm a 35 year old guy what the fuck do i know what 18 year olds we were an 18 to 34 year old station i'm outside of the demo i need to know what the demo thinks of this stuff because they're getting just funneled with masses amounts of demos and like you got to filter through and help yeah you know, like, and so yeah, so I had like these two jobs there. So I was now I'm working in the music department as well. And now he's the most popular guy at the frat house. Exactly. What exactly. I got the playlist. Yeah. So, so you're doing the sports. It's only a five minute gig. So that so this was just when I was the phone screener. So this so so I didn't do the sports till way down the road. Um, so right now I'm still in college. I'm the phone screener, but they've also asked me to be part of the music meeting. Okay. Um, and so we're start circulating because we got something we, we ended up getting something put on the air that ended up becoming really big and so words started circulating in the music business they're like where did this come from who found this and that's when i started to get to know all the music industry people because they're like you're the guy that put that on the air and i'm like not nah, re- whatever yeah and so that's how 
now I'm in my senior year in college and there's a number of people that are interested in hiring me to be a promotion guy for their record label Programmer. because they know that I now have this in with Kevin and with K-Rock and we want to bring him on our label so we can get our records played. That's so radical. Here you you're are. a lobbyist. Yeah, basically. Yeah, you're a music lobbyist. That's so what wait, promotion what, what, what was the, the, the band or song? <laughs> it was, uh, I, I hate doing this, but because there's so many people involved and it was such a small, like my role in this is this big right you like you just did it bro probably 100 stations at for the purposes of this podcast you were the genius i wasn't though but i really was everyone so said no this I'll is start. where matt money smith no. this is where money came into play this is where <laughs> it landed you made the so my friend joe dugan uh joe dugan do you know joe yeah yeah so dugan went to college with me as well and so you know Joe Dugan. he yeah. uh, so Joe flips me a sublime cd and he's like hey dude these guys are huge in long beach you should play it and so Are you fucking kidding me yeah so wow. I took, Joe Dugan introduced gave me the sub, gave, told me about 40 ounces to freedom and I then uh, at K-Rock my friend Zeke was into it Tazy was into it as well and so we took date rape into the music meeting dude that that was like as big as a, a like a music movement as like I yeah. can't believe yeah. that we just found <laughs> out how sublime made it on K Rock, but that it, 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 like not just K Rock, but yes, through K Rock. But I mean, how many people all over the world love Sublime? I mean, eventually, like the thing with, that I always tell and people, how, it's like a surf band, yeah, a surf reggae, like they rap band. They yeah. they would have still made Sublime, Sublime, and it would For have sure. been the fucking biggest at the record right in the place, world. The right time. But the fact that, you know, we got Date Rape on and then Badfish was able to get on and like, you know, you were able to play some of the older stuff was cool. You know, yeah. that, that K-Rock was able to kind of do that before what I got and, <laughs> and that Joe sort of stuff. Dugan handed you the... Yeah, I th- he either... I, I don't know if he gave me the CD. I may have already had it and I think he may have been like, oh, dude, that band is fucking huge in Long Beach. Yeah. And I was like, oh, right on. And so it's fun. You know what? I think he may have he may have turned me on. It's funny. He may have turned me on to Evan was the song that he... I think that was the song that he really liked. Um, and I think that's what it was. And then we ended up settling. Like, I remember sitting and Zeke and I were sort of just brainstorming and trying to figure it out. Like, okay... Because these music meetings are intense, dude. Like, you bring wow. a song, and, like, everybody's looking at you. There's, like, seven or eight people, and you've got to sit through a three-minute song. And if it sucks, they're just like, hey, that these fucking songs sucked. You think that's a hit? You got to your mind. You know, like, it's intense. So, it's interesting. A lot on the line. It's yeah. interesting that they went through that trouble. So, well, you know? yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It's kind of cool to... You, you don't want people turning it's so important it's, they don't want people turning the station like what the fuck is this exactly. and switching and but then it's like you lose it you know listener. like you oh really it's a science went, dude you really went to that next step of like uh peer group uh oh yeah what do you peer, call it peer, peer, peer group review yeah, it's all peer, peer group you yeah. review yeah. and yeah. it's like but but that's what makes things great right like yeah. when when you have a bunch of opinions, so I'll tell you. you fun, so here's a funny story, right? So we play the the song. Um, there's one female in the meeting. Lisa hates it. Obviously, she's like, "We can't play this. It's disgusting." Yeah. You know, and and I can remember. Here comes my litigator. You know, yeah. back. I'm like, Lisa, 
the gentleman gets his in the end, you understand, right? This is a story of, of ultimately, if you listen through the whole song of why you do not want to commit date rape. I mean, can you imagine? You know, this is what awaits you. Yeah. And she's just looking at me like, Here. no, Still, it's called date rape. <laughs> and I'm looking at Kevin. I was like, dude, it's a hit. He's like, it's a hit. So. <laughs> Veto. So we, so he's like, put it on the air right now. And I was like, right now? He's like, yeah. So Jed the Fish was out. On vacation, John Frost was in for Jed, and John's this brilliant imaging guy. Um, do you remember the head detective? So John came up with the head detective and did all the imaging for K-Rock, and so he's in for, for Jed. And so I, I give John the CD, and he's like, what's this? And I was like, Kevin wants to play it. And I was like, but they say shit. And he's like, okay. He's like, can you, can you tell me exactly the moment they say shit? And I said, yes. He's like, okay. So he puts it on. It's playing, and uh, he's got a, so it's on a CD, and it's in this Denon player. You put this in this little cartridge, you hit play, and it's playing, and he's got a vinyl. Um, he's got a record, and a record player. He's got the record player popped up, he's just looking at me, and, you know, it's going, 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 and and he's got his hand on, he's got his, the pot, the, the record player's potted up on the board, and he's got his hand on the pot for the CD player, so you pull it down, and it'll go quiet. Um, and he's got his hand on this record and he's looking at me and I'm just like, listen, da -da -da, the judge knew he was full. And I pointed at him and he drops the CD and he goes, Wah! and it's just like this little beat, this drum beat that he puts over the shit mm -hmm. and then he pots it back up and he gave him 25 years and he was like, cool. And I was like, wow, that was incredible. <laughs> and then the phones exploded, became the number one song on K-Rock within a week Gosh. and the rest is history. I mean, so, yeah. I mean, I love listening to Sublime. I don't yeah. like. I've never been a Sublime freak. Yeah. But when you, when it comes on, you're so just good. like, oh, he was incredible. It's, Bradley it's, was incredible. It's like a surfer's, yeah, summertime, yeah. right? For sure. Like you, you want to listen to that yeah. when you're drinking beers yeah. on the beach or fucking barbecue. It's a modern day like reggae hip hop yeah, like yeah. you know like it's yeah. a classic like it can never it's never going to go out of style like it's just got that yep. beat flow so that was vibe. so yeah so that happened and then I became really close friends with John Phillips who managed the band and um, and then all these record labels kind of were they were like how did you find this where did this come from because you know it's just a little independent record they yeah. hadn't signed their MCA deal yet um, and you won't believe me but I saw them in a backyard Oh, I 100% believe you. I saw them in Long Beach. Yeah. At my friend that, he, this chick that was like, regga, he, she was like one of the, you know, people that tried extra hard to be something. You know what I mean? Like right. She was cool, but she was like, dressed like Ska, you know, had the trench coat, had the pins on her, you know, and had to have the, the Vespa scooter. But, you know. Oh, yeah. But she at her party. house, she... um had sublime thing. Oh yeah. No, I've heard that from I mean that's how yeah. Joe was. Joe used to see him in the backyards Joe all the time. Dugan. Wow. Yeah. So it's fun. Like that's what's so weird about my whole surfing thing is like I'm surrounded by all these great surfers, great dudes that wanted me to surf with them. And yeah. like for whatever reason and I don't know where that would have taken my life. I I know I would not have ended up here because I'm sure I would have got that same addiction that I feel now to it. And Too I would early. Probably, yeah, I would have just curveball. It, it would have Things totally. For yeah, reason. exactly. So, but well, yeah. At least so it's one of those sports that you can do till fucking exactly, the day you die. Exactly. So, so that was a big milestone. So that puts me into the music business. Yeah. It's basically what happens. And, is, and this record label, so, wanted you be... Yeah, so... 
So now I've got job opportunities as soon as I graduate. So there was actually uh, a label that was hiring, Mercury Records was hiring. They needed someone in February. And so my, you know, neither of my parents went to college. Well, my mom went, but dropped out. So they were, I was like, hey, I think I'm going to drop out. I've got an opportunity to to have a job. This is what I want to do. And my mom was like, absolutely not. You're getting your degree. I don't have a degree. It haunts me that I dropped out. I was like, but mom, like, I don't need it. Like, I don't need, this is music business. Why can't you be like Kevin? Right? <laughs> exactly. And so I'm just like, oh, sorry. I'm going to I'm gonna call Kevin. Kevin's going to call 100%. you. I mean, no, Kevin's no a matter. lawyer by now, by the way. Yeah. He's already graduated law school. And I'm just like, oh. No matter how nagging parents are, moms are. Are you looking at the salaries of these? They weren't great. So, you know, your, your entry salaries, I think that job was like 32 Gs, you know, back then. Which is freaking great. Yeah. A hell of a lot more than I was making. So yeah. it, it might as well have been 700 I mean, college, grand a year back then. College graduates now yeah. start at like yeah. 25, 30. Yeah. So I was like, mom, I got this out. So thankfully I didn't because it would not have been the right job for me. Um, so as soon as I graduate. So you did stick. In the so I stuck through I because I, I was graduating in April. Yeah. So I was like, hey, man, I'm graduating in April. And just like kind of the way that they were like, no, we need it now. It's like. The fuck, dude? It's yeah. two months. Easy. Yeah. And so that's when I was like, all right, I got it. This isn't for me. And thankfully, I waited. So when I graduated, I had two options. I could go work for Maverick, which was the label that Madonna had just launched with Gaio Siri. Um, or I could go work for my old boss, Bill, who had brought me in as an intern at, uh, at London. And I just felt more comfortable with Bill. And I, and I went to work for, for London Records. And who did they and have? Was, what before, was before, big, before yeah. that, though... The five-minute sports thing. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So so this is so the, so just shove that aside, right? So Jimmy's still there. Jimmy's still at K Rock. When I graduate, he's still the sports guy at K Rock. I graduate. I get a job at London Records, which thank God I did because it was the coolest freaking job ever. Because underneath the umbrella of London was FFRR, which was Full Frequency Range Recordings, and they were like all of the drum and bass, um, a lot of super cool hip-hop artists. Um, Mm. We also had Moax, which was like DJ Shadow and a lot of that really cool stuff. And then they also had Slash. So Slash was West Coast-based. London was in New York. So they originally wanted me to move to to New York to work, which I was kind of into. I was like, you know what? Fuck, man, go to New York. I don't mind living in the city for a couple years. Um, But instead, they put me at Slash, which was super rad because I got to hang out with Bob Biggs who started Slash, who since passed, and for people that, that don't know, like Slash is an iconic Los Angeles label. So like our catalog at Slash is Germs, Los Lobos, L7, like it's wow. freaking LX, it's LA punk rock. Wow. And like those people are coming in the office all the time oh, to like get so, their residual yeah. tra- checks and stuff. And it was so freaking rad. What and was Bob the was the coolest guy. The office was on um, 3rd Street in Beverly. Um, right across from El Coyote. So we would freaking go to work and we'd get off work at like 4 o'clock because we were New York based. So the New York office would close at like 6 and by like 3.30 we're like, fuck it. We'd be at happy hour yeah, in El Coyote done. every done. day. And I ended up renting an apartment two blocks away and I would just get shit-faced after work every day with the guys in the office and then walk home. I couldn't imagine too like all the freebie VIP concert shit you get to yeah, go to everywhere. I mean, LA is like... Yeah. The, epicenter of like yeah. touring every night bar but just like music yeah venues yeah. like entertainment I mean, how many... every night 
So, and you would trade out. Like, yeah. you would have an artist that someone else would want to see. You'd be like, hey, dude, can you get me a pair of tickets? Yeah. And then you would get tickets to their show and their show and their... And you're all just works. constantly trading... T- yeah, it's just barter. Yeah. You're just trading tickets. So, so I worked there for two years. Um, and then DreamWorks was founded and they hired me when they opened. DreamWorks? Yeah, so DreamWorks... Spielberg. Sp- so it was David Geffen. So Geffen, Geffen did the music. Spielberg did the movies. Katzenberg did the animation. So when DreamWorks launched, they hired me to run their alternative rock department. Damn. So I went there. And when I was there is when Jimmy left. And that's when they were like, hey, can you do, do you think you could still do sports for us? Like just on your way into work. Just do it one time a day. Just And then we'll replay it. And I was like, yeah, sure. So that's how I got back in. Can I, can I ask you, was it, was it a big pay bump? from Big time. Yeah, so... My first job, I think I got twenty four five was my starting salary, and I think they bumped me up to like thirty my second year because we had had a good year. We had the Portishead record that ended up going gold, um, and we had Rammstein, which had sold a shit ton of stuff. Yeah. Oh. That sold a bunch of records, so we ended up. So I got my bump to like thirty, and then which is a big. Pay yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, I year still have. Year. I'm living on my own. I, mean, I have no yeah, family. Pay, I am. Uh, yeah, and then I, you know, but I had student loans that I had to pay off. That was like 300 bucks a month. I had a car. I had insurance. All that shit. You know. Yeah. So I was still scraping beer by. funds and growing out exactly funds. exactly. Um, You're not cooking. Not at to home. mention the other stuff. That's exactly right. <laughs> um, the, the Armenian bakery stuff. Um, <laughs> So then DreamWorks, yeah, they basically doubled my salary. So like, yeah, so it was a huge jump. Yeah, so that, that was like. What car did you go get? <laughs> Lexus. Got to look the look. Got to talk the talk. Traded in the Subaru and got a Lexus. So what was your um, uh, job title? That I was the uh, director of alternative promotions. Okay. So basically, my job was to get the records played on the radio. So I had. So you're a lobbyist. All of the all of the K Rocks of the nation. I had to go convince to play our records. So in each and who region, they didn't. Blanket. So we, we had a regional. Yeah. So our regionals would do every format. So mm. like our LA regional would do K Rock Kiss. K they would work every station in town. Okay. I only were I did all of the K Rocks of the country. Wow. So yeah. So that, I traveled. The alternative shit ton. radio. Alternative radio. Yeah. yeah. And so I would you know I'd go on tour with the bands. I would take them into the radio stations, do interviews. Who was your marches. Who was your band? Um, we had a lot. We had, um, so shoot, we had, um, let's DreamWorks. See. Yeah, DreamWorks is pretty big. So we had Papa Roach, Power Man 5000, <laughs> Nelly Furtado, um, wow. Jim, Jimmy World. Um, Nelly Furtado with Fly Like a Bird? Yeah, so Fly Like a Bird, I got played that? in Detroit. Big. We were the, CIMX was the first station ever to play Fly Like a Bird. Um, because their stick, their transmitter was in Canada. So they had CanCon requirements. They had to play Canadian artists. So I was like, she's hey, Canadian? she's Canadian. She's from Toronto. So uh, that, that's, was an that was how we got her on alternative radio with Fly Like a Bird. And then it just exploded out of there. Um, that's so wild. Yeah. There's like a million. So then um, who else? Jimmy World um, uh, and Elliot Smith, you know, who I was really close with. Um you know, stuff that, that worked and stuff that didn't work, but it was, um, I'm sure, gosh, I feel bad. I'm, I'm just trying to think of all the... Um, musicians? Yeah, I musicians. Mean, Buck Cherry. Wow. Um, so we made Buck Cherry. This is funny. So Wait, here, here, who's here, Buck Cherry? Buck Cherry was, I love the cocaine, I love the cocaine. You remember that song? Or the one that she's a crazy bitch and... Bah, bah, bah. Anyway, like it's... They were great. So Buck Cherry used to be called Sparrow. And... 
you know, everything's kind of, think of, you know, a pendulum, right? So hair metal's not cool. It's all grunge. It's all, how long are we going, by the way? I feel like I've been talking. No, no, no. I'm no, just is, thinking um, shirts. Um, Great. So, like, hair metal's the most uncool thing yeah. in the world during the grunge and the rap rock yeah. era. So this band in L.A. with Josh and Keith Sparrow, and Josh was a big surfer, um, they were like, fuck it, dude. We're going to bring back enough of these shoegazers and these dudes with their freaking stupid-ass ball-bearing necklaces and eye piercings. We're going to bring back rock and roll. Like, let's get some big titty bitches out here and freaking (laughs) sex, drugs, rock and roll. We need it in L.A. And so they started this band, Sparrow. And it caught on, man. And it was freaking really growing on the Sunset Strip. They were playing the Whiskey and the Viper Room and Roxy. And they got this huge Like following. Motley Crue style? Like Motley Crue style. Like people were like, dude, it's back. Yeah. Freaking rock and roll is Sparrow. back. Sparrow. Yeah. And they had to change their All name. All about performance and about big titties. Exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, he's wearing, you know, he's got no shirt, leather yeah. pants, giant dick, you know, just <laughs> pinned right there against his legs yeah. singing. And it's just like, yeah, dude, yeah, this, just, is what it, this, this is what yeah, it should they, be. They this is, right. Yeah. And so, uh, and so... You said they changed their name? So they had to change their name to Buck Cherry because, okay. I don't know, someone else was Sparrow. They wouldn't give him the name. And so, um, so when we put out Buck Cherry, we made surfboards for people because Josh was <laughs> a surfer. And basically, this is how this shit works, right? You get a budget to promote. Yeah. And Josh is just like, Hey man, I want I want a new couple new surfboards. I'm like, no problem, dude. We'll get a budget cheaper. And so we went to Becker, and so we had Becker make us all these Buck Cherry surfboards with their, you know, the logo was this tattooed woman kind of like sitting like this the whole stretch of the board. And so you know, in the meantime, we were like, all right, let's carve out some extra. So I ended up getting a nine six triple stringer custom Becker nose rider <laughs> way back then. In addition, just like. Just yeah. pull that off the truck, put yeah. it in my garage. Where'd this um, one other board exactly. go? Exactly. Oh, and they're so, not looking at it. They're just uh, looking at invoices. Yeah. They, they destroyed it on stage. Uh, exactly. <laughs> they lit on so there was a brief moment there that I was flirting with surfing again, where I started surfing a little bit because of that board for, for about two months. And yeah. I was like, oh, I got to get back into this. And so... Buck Cherry. Um, yeah, so Buck Cherry. Again. Yeah, so there was that. Um, so I was doing K-Rock and DreamWorks at the same time. So um, how... You literally went in before work and did your... Did sports. I would do sports at, at uh, 6.55, and then I'd be at DreamWorks by 7.30. Are you writing, or are they giving you bullet points? No, I, like, I write it. I wrote it. Okay. I so would write the, the sports report. And it was just like national or LA-based No, it was just the Kevin Bean show. No, no, so, no. Just like oh, the I'm sorry. sports teams. Like, you know, what are you covering? It was just local, but it was a very... It was a Kevin and Bean lean. Like, yeah. I tried to find something funny every day. Like, what... So I would do like, hey, here's what happened in this game, in this game, and then I would try to end it with something funny. That was sort of my formula. Yeah. And a lot of the things that I did, uh, and there's no way I'd get away with it today, but I would <laughs> I would make, basically I would find, like my thing that I found that people really liked is I would get players who aren't the sharpest people in the world, and I would get their clips from the post game of them just saying something stupid or sounding stupid, <laughs> oh, and I would play those, and easy. I would make fun of them. It was easy. <laughs> yeah. And so... Um, and so my back yeah, was broken. Exactly. Yeah. And so it was just like shit like that. And um and so I did that every day. And something that had always stuck with me that Jimmy had told me, um, he said, We're in Los Angeles. This is the entertainment center of the world. These and this is before people that are young and that are listening, this is before podcasts, this is before streaming. He's like, people have to listen to something on their way to work. 
And K-Rock is probably the number one station that the entertainment industry is listening to. So just know every single day you're on the air, it's an audition. You are auditioning for someone. So it's never half-ass it. Always make sure you think of that. Like that's your pressure. That's your drive is, hey, it could be whoever. Michael Bay who's doing the next Transformers movie and he likes your voice and you did something funny and now you've got a role in his film. So that always stuck with me. And that's how I got hired by the Lakers. Every Jeannie was a Kevin and Bean fan. No and way. So, and so when Chick passed away and they wanted to reset and get younger on their broadcast, Jeannie told her dad, Jerry, hey, I really like this kid on K-Rock. I think we should hire him to do pre-half and post. And the only other sports I'd ever done was five minutes on Kevin and Bean, but that's where she got me that's from. That's the mind-blowing thing about what you just said. It's like, it's five minutes. Yeah. And who knows, like who's listening? Who's those five minutes, listening and paying attention. Yeah, right. Like hundred percent. Like to somebody, even, a lot of people. Yeah. Like you don't think about it because you're just we're sitting in this room right now. You have no idea who's going to listen to this. But no. someone, you know. But think of all the millions, a of, shitload of people. That's right. Hey, that's tens of thousands of like, people are going to be listening to this. Show. The, the millions of people that don't pay attention, right? Right. And it. All boils down to one person yeah. that did. RFK Jr. could be listening to this pod because he's a surfer and he's yeah. into surfing and maybe he subscribes. But, next thing you know, you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. yeah. But that's I just love the, the reality. Yeah, so Genie, the five minute, like that's yeah. an audition yeah. every day. Every because day, you never know who's tuning in, who's tuning yeah. out, who's not listening to you before. It could be first time, right? Or somebody. It's but what an honor it is that Genie was the one yeah. that found you and put you on the yeah. table. I mean, the guy that ran the station, Don, was the driving force behind it. But I think what helped, because the Lakers had to approve it, what helped was when he said, hey, this is the guy I'd like to hire. She's like, I know that guy. I like that guy. I love what he does. Yeah. And so that's how it how yeah. it came together. And Jerry was the coolest guy. He was always, Dr. Buss was always super cool to me. Um, you know, whenever we'd have a chance to just kind of cross paths. We didn't do it a lot, but anytime we did... Could not have been cooler. So they hired you. They hired me to do post and pre half and post. They hired Spiro to do play by play. Um, Papadakis and uh, no Spiro Ditas. Oh Spiro yes, Ditas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Petros is my radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Park. Okay. Um, Spiro Ditas. I I mean his voice is distinct yeah. too. Yeah. So he does basketball and football for CBS and TNT now. Got it. Got it. Because yeah. I remember him. Uh, for the Lakers, and then all of a sudden I, I'm watching football and I hear him yeah. talking football. I'm yeah. like, oh shit, that's him. I know that dude. Yeah. Can I get the head real quick? Yeah, we'll pause. Does that happen a lot? Yeah. yeah. Okay. For sure. It's like a couple beers in. Let me... So you get hired on by the Lakers. Uh-huh. Pre, pre-show, halftime, half-time post-game. Post. Yeah, so pre, pre-game, it was, um, it was, you know, I, it was, it was stressful because um, I recognized how big the brand was, like how big of a deal, you know, that job, you know, the, the fact that I'm replacing someone who had done it for a long time and Larry Barnett and, and did it and did it completely different than how I would do it because that is just not my personality. And it's in front of the camera. No, radio. this is a radio. Just radio. Okay. Just radio. So kind of what I had settled on was, you know, and it the, was the, a side job, or is it no? This like, is my full time job. I left, so I left K Rock. At that time, I was the music director at K Rock, which means every single song you hear every single day was put there by me. Um, you know, not DreamWorks. No, I had, so DreamWorks uh, sold to Interscope. Okay, I did not want to go work for Interscope. Um, so when they sold, they bought out my contract, 
and I went to work for K-Rock full-time as music director for about two and a half years. Okay. And that was basically all the music on K-Rock you're responsible for. So that was a really fun job, some really cool stories. It, we, we could fucking do part two and yeah. just yeah. do that. Um, so then I get the Lakers gig, and um, and sort of I settle on, okay, so the pregame, it's going to be straightforward, yep. very professional. Let's set up the game. Let's get some interviews, get some quotes. Let's recap the game before. You know, look around the league at scores, shit like that. Halftime, same thing. You only got like five minutes anyway. And then I figured post game is where I can kind of express myself and kind of make it my own and, and sort of have my own personality and do what I think a post game show should sound like. Um, and I really fucked around. Like we had a good time and sort of what my approach was, and it really points out what an asshole I could be, was <laughs> I would like I would essentially make fun of people without them knowing but sort of everybody else that's listening sort of recognizing what was going on is kind of how my approach was um and it was really fun and can i can i ask you was the map money smith incorporated in this yeah so they wanted they wanted money they they wanted me to keep it because they were like are you okay keeping it and i was like "Eh, i guess so i guess i'm stuck with uh with the name which is weird you know now that i'm 50 and I still have the name. It's just kind of like... But the, the money part of it is so perfect for basketball. And that's what's weird. And, is and like, like that market, you know? That's And it's still... It's it's very strange, but like that's what everybody refers to me as. Yeah. You know, the players, coaches, owners. Yeah. Like, you know, like I work for the Chargers now. John Spanos, money. Yeah. What's up? Like that's just... You know, head coach Brandon Staley, money. What's up? Yeah, like, you know, players, money. What's up? It's just, yeah. it's, that's. Like, but it's such a. It's just odd. Like it's it, odd, but it's so perfect for the sports. Because mm-hmm. yeah, the, the expression it, is, dude, that dude is money. Right. Yeah. That was, that shot was money. So that pass is money. Right. You know? was, like that. It's not so relevant now. It's like that. That kind of. Right. Slang, but it was, then it was big. Like when you got that nickname, I mean, people still say it though. They do, but yeah. it's yeah. you know. But you're just older now. No, no, no. Our <laughs> as we grow, it's still with us. But I mean, right. the, the younger yeah, yeah. kids, I don't think they say that's money. I think they say that's like I don't even know. They, that's it's, about man, it's yeah. Whatever. It's like they get something else. Something yeah. else. Just like our parents said, groovy. They're <laughs> way- we said money. We said money. And now our kids say something else. Yeah, right? there, there's way worse yeah. nicknames than money. Money's yeah. you're stoked. Yeah, that, you're that, stoked. That works out perfect. And it was a great time. Like, you know, I got to the Lakers right when they hired Phil Jackson. Oh back. shit. So that was my first year when they went on that. Dream team. Incredible, like everybody nobody expected him to do so anything. Two thousand? Two thousand five. No, not, not the first one. Okay. Second one. Remember, they they fired Phil after 03, went through Rudy Tomjanovich and all of that. Yeah. And then they brought him back. Got so it. So it was when they brought him back um, in 05. So I, my first year was 05, 06. And that was the year that they had the 3-1 series lead on the Suns that they blew. Um, and that ended up losing 4-3. Yeah. And so they lost back-to-back years in the first round, my first two years, to the Suns. I but lived still the, dynamic seasons. Still, but, still fun. Yeah. They weren't great because they can, weren't. Oh, you can know. we go at the roster again? It mm-hmm. was Kobe. Was it Van Axel? No, Van Axel was gone. gone. So it was Kobe, Lamar were like the two oh. big pieces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then everything else was just trying to fit it all. 
together. Yeah. You know, it was Chris Mim at center. There was like the Smush Parker year at point guard. And it just... Kwame Brown? Kwame Brown at center. Oh. Like there, yeah. Butterfingers? So it was... <laughs> oh my God. It was, it was that era, that those first couple years. Um, and then it clicked, you know, then they made the POW trade. Yeah. In in 08, 09. I mean, you got to 07, 08. How hard it is, teams, contracts, you know, like free agents and all of that. And you almost got to like coming off of such a great high team, you know, like a, a, a super team. Yeah. Team, you got to rebuild. You got to go through yeah. a few yeah, years very hard. to kind of like almost put yourself there so you could get a high draft pick. Right. And, you know, there's all this like full exactly. long game strategy. What, what was it? Um, it, it's Kobe Shaq was 2000 to it was 99 2000 and then 2000 2001 2001 2002 and then their last um 04 was when they lost to the Pistons and it blew up and then 0405 was a disaster but Phil, Phil Jackson was there yeah Phil Jackson was and there then, and then he, he left came back. and then he and came, came back, back yeah 05 uh yes okay. 0506 and yeah. that's when you started yeah, yeah. wow yeah. what up yeah. A gift. Yeah, it was great. So I ended up getting two title runs. You know, were you it. a basketball fan at all? Yeah, huge, huge, huge. I had Lakers. So one of the reasons why I took the the London Records job yeah. was because I had asked them if they would buy me Lakers season tickets, and they said even you know because my salary was low, and I was like, hey, would you guys be interested? Like this is how bad the Lakers were back then. Like it was. You know, they had just drafted Eddie Jones. That was when I got the London gig. And they were like, yeah, we'll get you. They're like, but you have to, like, take clients. clients. I was yeah. like, absolutely. So they got me four tickets, Section 21, Row L, right above the tunnel where the Lakers came Fuck. in and out at the Forum. And it was um, pre-Shack, pre-Kobe. It was the year before. So, and I loved that. It, was, it might be my favorite Laker team ever. Like, I loved that team, man, because... Like I said, I picked up the phone and said, "Hey, how would I go about getting? Yeah, how would I go about getting Laker tickets?" And they were like, "You tell me what you want, and you get them." And I was like, "Seriously?" And they're like, "Yeah." This record like, label that no, like the the Lakers. Oh, they shit. weren't sold out. Oh, this nobody was going when to Laker games when I when I went to get my Laker tickets. Nobody was. They're like, "What do you want?" Hey, no we, have, we have these four seats left, and in, in yeah, 05, that's all we got. In 05. No, no, no. This is this is nineteen ninety five. When you were working for London, when I was working for London. So that's how yeah. big of a what I'm saying is that's how big of a basketball fan I was. I was yeah. like, hey, I'll, I'll come work for you. Maverick wants me. They're going to pay me five grand more. But if you give me Lakers season tickets, I'll come work with you. So they got me the four seats, and um, and it was great, dude. It was the it was the um, it was, yeah, it's Van Axel, it's Eddie Jones, it was uh, Eldon Campbell. It was Vlade and it was Cedric Sabalos. Was the starting five and dude, it was so fun. We had the best time at the forum. We yeah. freaking. He, he told you that we we're a huge Laker fan. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And we would literally fucking live and die in front of his TV. <laughs> so and great. Just be like, what? Yeah. yeah! Fuck, yeah. fuck, like yeah. That's how Dugan and I. We so actually, that's how Dugan and I connected. Is because I'm from Chicago, so I'm coming out to L. A. Bulls and the Bulls are fucking running roughshod yeah. over the league. And Dugan was a huge Laker fan, and so we just would butt heads nonstop in a fun way, yeah, yeah, yeah about yeah, the yeah. Lakers and the Bulls. That's how we connected at first. Um, that's so what's great about sports. Yeah, yeah it's, it's great. You can yeah. have rivalries. You can vote for or you know root for the other team, but. You bet. You yep. have good, you know. I watched the Bulls 
beat the Suns for that final, whatever that was, 93? I think that was 93 when they knocked off the Suns um, at like 3 in the morning on the French Riviera <laughs> because I was studying abroad and there was a train strike and I couldn't get back to our, our villa in Italy where I lived and went to school because the trains weren't running and it was the game six against the Suns and we were in the French Riviera and we found like this bar that was broadcasting it and it was like three in the morning and it was just a shit ton of Americans all packed into this place yeah. freaking out. You know, this is before flat screens. Yeah. It's those little 13-inch monitors all over and you're just watching. It was so cool. It's pretty fun watching games out of the country. And 100%. See how, like, it's like soccer, you know, yeah. football is like, you know, how oh, yeah. wild. Like when... World Cup comes in, you know, you hear like it's like Super Bowl every night for like weeks. You're like, what yeah. the fuck? It's going nuts. So uh, I'll tell a quick funny yeah. story. I was in Japan and this is like when the internet was first, it was still AOL.com. Right. Right. And it's like, right. And I think it was the finals against Portland. Okay. Right. Yeah. Not finals, but. The, the semifinals. When the Western. Bulls, when the, or when the Lakers. Lakers versus right. Portland. That incredible game seven comeback. Yeah. Yes. So I'm in Japan and I'm a diehard Laker fan. And I can't, I can't read Japanese. I, I right. you know, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go on the internet and see what the fucking score ended up. Right. And I freaking finally go through the, and then it said, Lakers win by Shaquille O'Neal's free throw, you know? Right, and you're thinking and, it's like the onion. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? We won the game because Shaq made like... Finally made one? Seven of their seven. Yeah. Of his, he was seven for seven on the free throw, and they won by like two points. Because that was the end. Like, yeah. hey, foul him. You know Remember? I mean? yeah, yeah, like foul Shaq. Hack-a-Shaq. Hack-a-Shaq. It was Hack-a-Shaq. So, that went, yeah. so when they moved to Staples Center... I had to go from four to two tickets because they bumped the price yeah. and they moved me. <clears throat> you know, I used to have these killer seats and the seats they gave me were not great. Um, I ended up getting rid of them like three years later. I just didn't like them. I was not happy with because we kind of had our own little group. The Quicksilver, the, actually girls who worked at Quicksilver sat behind us and they were super cool um, at the forum. And so when we moved to uh, Stables, that game, that game seven, I'm with a guy, you know, this dude that I worked with at K-Rock for a long time, Zeke. He's freaking awesome dude a huge laker fan we're at that game and my two seats were here two seats that were here were given to opponent players so we would always have like opponent player friends opponent player family something yeah. like that and they were all super cool you know like it was actually better because they weren't weirdo fans they were just family and yeah they were just and it was fun to kind of just pick their brain and yeah. it was cool you know you kind of get a little insight as to how that person was and and that sort of thing so Sitting next to us were these two dudes, full-on freaking gangbangers, friends of Damon Stoudemire's. <laughs> and, dude, they're full-on colors on their jeans, on their head, their headbands and stuff, um, wearing red. And uh, the, the, blazers are, the blazers are up big. And um, they're just sure. And, and we were having fun. We were buying beers for each other. They were super cool guys. And uh, they're chirping at us and stuff. And Zeke just looks right at one of the guys. He goes... He pulls out of his pocket. He goes, I'll bet you $100 that the Lakers win this game. But if they lose, you give me your colors. And the guy's like, I was like, 
what the fuck, dude? <laughs> the guy looks at me, he's like, what? He goes, that's the deal. You want it? And the Lakers were down like 12 at the time. He's like, all right, I'll take that bet. <laughs> so when the Lakers win, he's like, let's go. He's like, game seven. He's like, of yes. Portland. So this guy already is oh he's front of Damon's. He's freaking crushed because they blew that lead. Yeah. And, and Zeke's like, all right. And he's like, dude, I ain't giving you my color. He's like, like, fuck you aren't. Yeah. And the guy was like, and his buddy was like, Deal's a deal, dude. That, man. That is. Takes that, that, that was freaking Zeke puts the headband on. He's dancing that was in the front Kobe, of him. I was like, we're going to die. This is terrible. <laughs> that was the Kobe uh, alley-oop. To Shaq. To Shaq. And dunk. then Shaq running with the... And then yeah, Shaq going. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah, dude. I was in the building for that one as a fan. Fuck. As a, uh, as a fan. That's yeah. fucking it. But you weren't working for him then. No. No, back then I was working at DreamWorks. Just had season tickets. And... Uh, and I think that's something that helped me out a lot is it was very easy for me to relate to the fans as a diehard fan. Like yeah. I became a big, I let go of all of my Chicago fandom. Just, I don't know. I was very, it was easy for me to logically process it. I was like, why would I still cheer for the Cubs when I can go to 50 Dodger games a year? Why would yeah. I cheer for the Bulls when I can yeah. go see the Lakers or the Kings? The Kings were the one that really did it to me. Like I became a huge Kings fan hmm. because I hated the Blackhawks. Their owner was a dickhead, and I hated him. He traded everybody, and so that was easy for me. So once I got into the Kings and was a huge Kings guy, I was like, well, why wouldn't I do this for every sport? Like, yeah. I love going to games. And the Lakers I love, were... Yeah, and the Lakers were good. Yeah. And, you know, and so... And so that's kind of you don't of want to be the outcast of, of where you're working and meddling yeah. and work, you know. And I of. tell people this all the time. And I say like the other thing too is like you know I was like I have three kids, you know they're girls, so they don't really love sports, but they like them. You know, my middle is the biggest sports person. She loves the Chargers. Um, but I was like, why would I want to make my kids a Cub fan? Yeah. When they're two thousand miles away. Yeah. Like, I, like my friends who are here from other parts of the country. And they're like, oh yeah, my son's a Steelers and a, and a and I'm like, what the fuck's your problem? You got the Rams and the Chargers here. Take yeah. him to those games. Why would you not make him a Dodger fan? He's a Pirate fan? Be a Dodger fan. Like this is crazy. It makes no sense. Yeah. That's you know? good for you, but not your kid. Exactly. Yeah. Let that be your team. Yeah. Let the local team be his team. Yeah. That's they, where he's growing up. You know, like it makes no sense. So so that part was easy for me. Once I kind of figured that out with the Kings, I became huge. You know, LA a huge sports. LA sports fan yeah. for everything. So, so back to two thousand five. Yeah. You you get take hired. the Laker gig. You yeah, you take the Laker mm-hmm. gig. You quit. I do afternoons. I start doing afternoons on KLAC. So I leave K Rock. I'm out of music entirely now. Now I have my own show, afternoons three to seven. Um, and you work for KLAC for KLAC for, for AM five seventy. Okay. Yeah. So now I've you know, and then in Petros and I, this is our eighteenth year. You know, we've and been that's doing when it. you first met him? Yeah. yeah. So, Well, no, I first met Petros because when I was on Kevin and Bean, USC got really good. And Petros was doing uh, stuff for USC because he was captain of the USC football team. And he was doing Fox Sports West stuff for them. And so I was, uh, I told the guys, I was like, hey, we should put him on. He's great. He's really funny. He's total Kevin and Bean style guy. And, um, and he grew up on Kevin and Bean. And so he was super stoked that, you know, I, I did that and got him on kind of the station he grew up listening to. Yeah. And so we just kind of built this friendship. And then he was working for a station, a, a tiny little sports station called K, uh, AM 1540. Um, they sold, flipped a Korean. So he was out of a job. And that's when we were like, dude, we should do a show together. It'll be fun. And that mm. was 18 years ago. 
Wow. Actually, like it might be like today. Like it was your anniversary. Like yeah, it's like right around today or maybe yesterday or something like that. I can't remember. It was like January twenty fifth or something like that. Was our first day together eighteen awesome. years ago. Um, what a trip. Yeah, so we've done afternoons together, um, and then I did the the Lakers stuff for for five years until they left to go to ESPN. That's so epic. when when you did the show. Mm-hmm. Were you you're on just radio, mm-hmm. no cameras, no cameras? Would you you'd be at the Staples wherever Center? they went? I went. Yeah. Well, well, for the Lakers, I would go to their home games. The only time I traveled with them was in the playoffs. So I would go on the charter, stay in the hotel with them, do the games from the road in the postseason. During the regular season, it was too hard. Back then, we didn't have the technology like we have now, where yeah. it's super easy to do a show from anywhere. Back then, it was very hard to do a show. Yeah. So, so yeah. You, got, you went to all the games. In the playoffs. At, at home. At home, yeah. Every yeah. home game I went to. Wow. Kobe's 60 and three quarters. Kobe's 81. All of those. All the playoff games, you know, and then in the playoffs on the road. All the, you know. Where would you sit in the... In the- um, so, Chick liked to be above the court, like in the like halfway up the, the floor section. Um, so, we had a perch. Um, and I think they still do. Um, so it was funny when we go on the road, we'd get our courtside seats. But when we were at home, we would sit in this perch about 20 rows up, which was actually better because you had a better view. So you would sit with Chick? Uh, well, Chick had already passed away. So oh. I sat with Spiro. Spiro, Michael, and me would sit. Michael uh, uh, Thompson. Yeah. Michael Thompson. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So we all sat together and watched the games every game. So rad. That was great. I mean, Michael Thompson's awesome. He's yeah. a great dude. And it's you're there, guy. like, I mean, you're rubbing. You know everybody. Yeah. I mean, you're you're the guy. You're yeah, the guy. you're you're interviewing players. You're interviewing. You know, I, I had to talk to to Phil. You know, probably twice a week, three times a week. Um, players. You know, built a built a, a, a stronger rapport with some than others. You know, Kobe and I were pretty close. We got along really well, um, especially when he had girls. I had girls, so we kind of had that connection. Yeah. Um, you know, having daughters. And um, Lamar is just, to this day, the, the best athlete I've ever been around. Like, just the sweetest, most kind-hearted individual you've ever met. Yeah. Like, had zero interest in taking care of himself until every single person around him was taken care of. Just like the <laughs> best guy ever. It's so, so strange cool. how yeah. gnarly he was, though, mm-hmm. right? It must. I mean, it's a chemical. Don't get me balance, wrong. He right? had a lot of. He he's like Lamar's. Lamar is just. I, I can't even imagine. Like I truly can't imagine the 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 the, the blows that he's been dealt in his yeah. life. Like having to like to cope with just one of them. Like everything that that guy touched that he loved died. Yeah. Like it was terrible. You know, parents, so grandparents, kids. Like it, it was just, it's terrible. Yeah. Um, and the, so the inner demons plus the chemical imbalance and yeah, and my guess hardships? is the inner demons were stemmed from the hardships. Yeah. You know, yeah. like just like death. You yeah. Know? yeah. You know, what wish the kid upon that passes that away from too. SIDS, and yeah, yeah, it was terrible. So, yeah. um, but just the sweetest guy, great dude, like freaking great dude. God knows, I just would wanted to go back to bed into my hotel room, and he'd be like, "No, you're coming out. I'm throwing a party, and you're coming." And yeah. you're coming, and you're coming, and you're, and that's just how he was. He wanted everybody to have a great time. Yeah, paid for everything, and um, that's good, peeps. Yeah, he's a great, great dude. Just Does great he surf. Dude. With, let's get him on. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not great dude. Um, so it was fun, you know. And, and Phil was such a cool guy, just such a bright guy. I would love to just sit and listen to him and Kurt Rambus. They were best friends, and just listen to them talk and just absorb. 
Yeah. And I realize that I'm the dumbest person at this table, so I'm just going <laughs> to shut up and listen and it's, try to learn something. For us, as as you know, Laker fans, it's such a trip that we're seeing yeah. somebody that was like, yeah. you know, like yeah. well, there for how many games? Forty home games. Yeah, forty-one home games, and then any playoff games. So when they when they were playing the Celtics, um, gosh, game one. Those they, are so good. The, the the series they lost. So oh eight. Um, we're in we're in Boston, and the way they would do it is after the game. You would have this like banquet room where you would go back to at the hotel, and they would cater it, and you would eat after the game um, as a team. And so uh, I re- we were in there, you know, eating. They had lost. It was bullshit game. Paul Pierce with the fake injury in the wheelchair. Yeah. And somehow he comes <laughs> back and all that crap. The drama. And yeah. so um, God, that dick. <laughs> and so uh, I'm eating, and I go to take a leak. And as I'm taking a piss, Kobe walks in and he stands next to me and he's pissing next to me. And he goes, hey, man. Like, yeah, he goes, we're going to fuck these guys up in game two. And, you know, what am I going to say? Like, And I just like, oh, I know. He goes, hey, we're going to fuck these guys up in game two. I was like, all right, Kobe, you better, man. You got to get that split. He's like, yeah, you're fucking right. We will. I was like, all right. Dude. Good yeah. talk. <laughs> it's just funny. Yeah. Just, like, just you, viewers, assuming, yeah. he was taking a piss next to Kobe yeah, Bryant. Just, just to, but he was cool. Like, he and I, yeah. we, we would check. And he day. said those words. Yeah. It was, he was, he was just, I, I, I point that out because that's just how he was wired. Like, yeah. everything was, oh, no. Fucking Everything is yeah. like, we're, I'm, I'm on. I'm still on. I got like, to, I, I got to, we got to re- rewatch the, uh, that series, yeah, that was a bad. I mean, that, even that one was we lost, tough. that yeah. was fucking. Yeah, remember they blew the game four. That's what crushed them because they won game three, so it's two one, and then they're up in game four and they fucking blow it and go down three one and and that was that. So, so were you there for Orlando the win? Yeah, I was in Orlando, and that's like and so for, you know, when people ask me most about you know like my my relationship with with Kobe, you know that's the thing that I always point to is. He wins his first title without Shaq. He's done probably an hour of media. He's got two little girls. His wife's there. Everybody's celebrating. And, you know, we send word in, hey, Matt's doing post-game. If you don't mind, if you, you know, if you could just maybe, we'll give you a phone. If you can call him, it'd be great to have you on. And he's like, oh, no. And he freaking, you know, gave Vanessa the, the girls. And he walked out and he sat with me. And we ended up just chatting for like 10 minutes you know in the midst of all the different things he's being asked to do like yeah. post game radio is nothing it's like this big in terms of but to, you know, that's to the hardcore but fans to him yeah. yeah to him like like hey I owe this I know this guy we've been chatting for five years now I finally reached the pinnacle I know what the probably listen to the post game I know what this will mean to the people driving around LA this is the local yeah Audience, you know, it's not the people watching TNT. I'm now talking to the city of LA and LA only, and so he made that point to, to come out and do a good like ten minutes. And uh, I miss and Kobe. Back. Fuck. Yeah, Sorry. he was cool. Like he was, he was really cool. He was the same. He was very similar to Lamar. Was always just trying to invite you to do stuff. And I tried to. I don't know. Kobe was different than Lamar. I just tried to keep my distance. I'm yeah, like, it's hard yeah, when he's a somebody. Star. I don't want to. Yeah, you, you you just like I don't you know like you yeah. deal with your own fucking. Celebrity, it's a different shit, deal. He's, like, he's a different deal. That yeah. he was just, you know. So, but we had a couple really good, kind of like on the road. Just I'm in the bar. I'm a drunk, so I'd be in the hotel bar all the time. And like every now and then, you know, one of those guys would just be walking by and just would grab a chair. And next thing you know, you're talking to him for an hour or two and just 
And it's the same way with the Chargers, you know, like Philip Rivers was like that super good dude, like the best. He, him and Lamar are probably like my top two. Like just Philip was the coolest freaking guy, man. And like whenever we would find ourselves in conversations, just a real, real guy. So when um, did you? So, so the Lakers left for ESPN. They wanted me to go with them, but that would have meant leaving my afternoon show. And I didn't want to do that. I, I like the, I love, as you can tell, I've been doing it for 18 years. So I was yeah. like, you know, I'm not Can't going do both I'm at not, that point. I was like, I'm not going to ESPN as much as it's crazy to give up the Lakers job. I just, so they left. Um, so now I don't have that other play by play sort of component or whatever. So then I end up getting hired by a national syndicator, Compass Media, to do uh, pre, half, and post for football, for college and NFL football. And then they hired me to start doing play-by-play. L- L.A.? Um, no, national. Oh, national? So national. Okay. Yeah, so I would do whatever the game of the week is. You know, Penn State versus Wisconsin, uh, USC versus Arizona, like, you know, whatever the game of the week was for them. And so then I got hired to do, they hired me to do play-by-play. I started with college football. Uh, in college basketball and then I started doing NFL football um, and so I would basically be on the road every single week doing a game somewhere in the country um, wow. and uh, that's how I got into football and I was also working for the NFL Network by then so I got hired by NFL Network to, to launch their fantasy show that was right after that like it, it was weird so I turned down the move with the Lakers and as soon as that happens I get a call from the NFL Network that says hey we're launching a fantasy show we want you to host it so that's when I got my TV NFL Network gig to launch NFL Fantasy Live. Um, and then that led to the syndicator calling me saying, hey, can you work on the weekends if you're doing NFL Network every weekday? And I was like, yeah. So it this was guy, the, hustler. Yeah. Oh, so yes to everything. So it, was the, it actually was the best move I could have made. So not only do I not go with them to ESPN, I get to keep the radio show that I love doing more than anything. But now I'm on TV and TV has now led me into the world of the NFL. Um and that's how I got the Chargers job. Um, but you know what? And here's another good lesson. So how did I get the Chargers job? So the head of PR for the Lakers was John Black. There was someone he had just hired under him back then who had just graduated from Pepperdine, Josh Ruprecht. And, you know, John is, John is the guy that I need to go to for everything. And I need, hey, John, I need this. I need that. I need that. But Josh was a cool guy, and we got along and treated him with respect. And I was like, you know what? I don't need to go to John. I'll just go through Josh, and that way I don't need to deal with John's shit. Josh is a much cooler dude, and I'll just so and so. No, everybody else would always just go over his head and go straight to John. And it's like, well, no. Protocol is you should go to Josh first, and then he'll take it to John. But nobody did that because that's just how too many people operate. And so Josh ends up becoming the head of the Chargers PR, the number one guy. And when they moved to L.A., he's like, oh, I know who we're hiring to do play-by-play. We're hiring Matt. And so that's, you know, you never know where someone's going to end up. Don't think about where they are. Just think about what type of person they are. If they're a good person, treat that's them with respect. amazing advice. Yeah. It is, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds so easy to do, but yet people, like, you know, are always so selfish and be like, dude, I'm going to just... See, you you got to put big timing people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go above. I'm going to get the guy above. You know? right. Yeah. So that's me? how I ended up getting hired by like, they called me. They're like, hey, we're moving to LA and we want you to, to be our play-by-play guy. I was like, fuck yeah. So you're going back to the crossroads of leaving KLAC to go to ESPN? Yeah. And you didn't want to do that. I didn't. I just didn't want to leave. The radio show felt like it was something special. Like we had something working that 
And it, you're talking radio show? Our 3 to 7 show. Our and, afternoon show with Petros. Yeah, Petros okay. and Money. And um, you still do that? Still and you never say, quit? 18 years. Yeah. It's probably so the longest. You got to still do that? Yeah. Even though you're doing the Chargers? And, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So. And working weekends. And doing the weekend thing during football season. Like, that's the nice thing about football is it's, you know, Small basketball's, season. yeah, basketball's 82 games. It gets to be a grind. Yeah. yeah. Football's 17, well, 20 games with the preseason and however many playoff games. It's nothing. Yeah, because it, it's easy. Now there's Thursday night football. Right. But it used to just be Monday. Monday, Monday. And Sunday. Yeah. 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 So now, so we have a couple of Thursdays here. But, you know, for me, it's a game a week. It's one game a week. So now I do college basketball in the off season. So, like, I'm flying out to, I'm calling the St. John's UConn game at MSG. And is that through? On Saturday. That's through the people that hired me okay. originally, Compass yeah. Media. Compass. Hired, so I still do college basketball. Is that kind of like, a, like, a, like your... Like an independent contractor? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So independent contractor. They're a syndicator. They hire. So it's be like, hey, these, this is yeah. This is so the game we want you to be at. Exactly. So I usually do like anywhere from three to eight games, and then I do the Big Ten tournament for them. So I'll do. I'll go to Minnesota for the Big Ten basketball tournament and call all those games uh, in Minnesota. Um, Damn. But yeah, it's great. It's, it's How, what about cool. March Madness? Do you... So I don't do any of the March Madness. That's Westwood One. So that's a different syndicator. Mm. So the company that I work for, their last thing is the Big Ten tournament. Those uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Those five days I do, and then I'm done. And that's when I get released, and I can kind of breathe. So you can know? you can you give me a, a rundown of your, your <laughs> setup and a play by play? Like what kind of oh, information's yeah. coming yeah. to you? So here I'll show you how um, how much is in your your head so versus. So imagine that, like, so imagine this is a. Imagine that this is a, um, a legal folder, like a yeah. legal size Manila folder. You yeah. know what I'm talking about? So I have one of those. Um, so when you open it up on this side, I've now got it open, right? Yeah. It's this wide, and on this side, I've got the defense, and on this side, I have the offense, and I lay it out like it looks on the field. Where the players so are supposed to be. I've got position. offensive line. My quarterback's here. My running back's here. My wide receivers are here. My specialists are here. Here's my defensive line, linebackers, corners, and secondary. And that way, when I'm watching the game, and I line it up. I'm a little different than most people. Most people line it up positionally. I do it numerically. So, <laughs> so that way, as soon as I see the play, and I see number 25 makes the tackle, let's say I'm watching it, you know, Ball snap, you know, Herbert passes to Allen, you know, like those, the offensive stuff is a little bit easier because there's not as many players. numbers involved. Yeah. It's skill players. It's yeah. a quarterback who's either handing it to the running back, the top, throwing it to the tight ends yeah. or the wide receivers. So that's yeah. pretty easy. Yeah. Defense, everybody's in play. Defense, everyone's in play. So defense, I don't have it lined up like it looks on the field. I just have a line of 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, those 70s, people's names and 90s, next to it. and their names next to it yeah. with their stats and maybe a little nugget on them. So when they make the tackle, you know, it's like, let's say, whatever, 52 makes a tackle. Oh, Khalil Mack, that's his six. You know, I've got a stat, I've got a computer in front of me with the stats. I also have a stat guy, you know, it's his fifth tackle. It's got a sack, you know, things like that. So, but you're looking at this. While you're watching the game, interesting. Yeah. So I can immediately have like a cheat sheet. There's a fucking lot of it's a players lot. on this. Yeah. You know, basketball. You know, hey, I get it. There's you know, five it's easier, way easier. Mm -hmm. Even though it's so fast paced, football slower. But like, there's so many yeah. players. And the thing about basketball is, it's a play by play game, right? Yeah. There's no pauses. It's just up and down, up and down. So all you're doing really is calling action. Football, there's downtime, so yeah. you're filling with. Mm -hmm. 
Well, you know, this is, this is not, you know, last six games, Khalil's had at least five tackles. He's got six, and we're only in the third quarter, shit like that, because mm-hmm. you're filling downtime. Whereas basketball, bang, yeah. bang, bang. It's a play by play sport. So you're just calling the action for the most part. Crazy. And are you doing a lot of like homework yourself yeah. or, or your staff? I do it all myself. A yeah. lot of people pay for the boards. There's a company that does it, they do a really good job. And they make boards, but for me, when I make it myself, it commits to memory. Yeah. So even though I'm putting it all on the paper, I kind of remember everything yeah. that I've put down. Writing so, it down or typing it out. Hundred percent. Ingrains yeah. it a little it does. bit. There's, more. there's yeah, there's visual, there's you know, people that have, you know, photographic memory type stuff, they could just read it once and it's in there versus like visual. Yeah. Having to like physically write it and replace right. it in a different And that's part. what I have to do. I've yeah. got to physically I'm like that. I so I do it with um like when people look at my boards, they laugh because everybody uses the dude because he only, he, I think he charges like a hundred bucks a game, right? So <laughs> why wouldn't you, right? It's like, oh, exactly. So for a hundred bucks and you know, it's, it's pretty lucrative what you get paid to do games, but and it's like, really do I want So this is the way you would do it. It probably takes me six hours of prep, maybe eight, six to eight hours of prep per yeah. game. I'm only making a hundred bucks for eight hours of work, you know, like yeah. it doesn't make sense financially. Yeah. Like it makes much more sense to spend the hundred dollars and yeah. not waste my, or not invest my eight, eight hours. hours. Yeah. But for me, it's just, it, I have to, Yeah. like I it just, it's, it just, it I can't do it. You in, the, in your rhythm and the way your process exactly. is. So it's like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause the, that info is already embedded in your right. brain. You're it just, helps me call the game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally helps me call the game. So what do you prefer? For basketball or football? Well, football because that's where he's getting paid, bro. Yeah. Let Come him on, why answer? Funny. Like, why would I, say that? Let him answer. I Kings. Love, I love. <laughs> he's going to yeah, right? <laughs> I love football, man. I love the football has juice unlike anything else. There's so much juice in a football game. What do you, you know? mean? Because I I think because there's only 17 of them and every game it's is so matters. consequential. You can feel it. You can feel the tension. Yeah. You can feel, and you know. Yes. 80, 82 games in basketball, right? Yeah, you can fuck off one game and who cares? You know, it's That's like true. whatever. Not in football. Yeah. Every single game is of the utmost importance. Um, and I just like the sport. I think I... It's chess. I it mean, is. it's it's the most complicated, advanced... It's not even close. It's like it's... You could have the best player on the field and it doesn't matter. You could yeah. totally okay, get out. Okay, I'm going to throw some controversy. <laughs> okay. Whoa. I just saw some meme or something and that is football rigged <laughs> oh the old script yeah right yeah and this one play god i wish i could i wish i could pull it up right now i just saw it last night yeah uh i think it was defense was broncos okay and then i think is buccaneers um is that right they could play each other sure okay and no it might have been kc this is like it just happened. I think so. It was it was Buccaneers Lions. It was. It wasn't. I don't think it was a playoff game. Okay. But it was just a meme from okay. this I got whatever. You. And the guy, the it was weird because the de- defense. Okay, there was like this guy that was on offense, quarterbacks right here, and the defense went to this guy instead of going to the quarterback. Right. But when you when you watch it, you're like. You you were closer to right. the quarterback than you were, like what was this guy? He's not right. even in play. Like, right. Why did you throw go the to, ball? Yeah. Why did you go to this guy? So, 
So, one, it can't be rigged. There's just too many pieces, yeah. and it's too violent. Like, that's that's the other thing about football. It's, the violence is incredible. Yeah. Like, I get to see what, because I fly with the team, I travel with the team. Like, I get to see what these guys look like after games. So, you get to go to all the games. I go to every game with the Chargers. Yeah, wow. wherever, they, wherever they go, I go. Um, I'm with them. So, I'm an, I'm an employee yeah, of the Chargers. Dude. They're like, can you, can you, how could you put that many players in a script? Right. It's too hard, and there's too much. They would be calling out. They're they've been doing this whole life. Yeah. How would somebody be like, dude? I'm not. And it's just too dangerous. Yeah, it's too dangerous. Like the violence is incredible. They look like when they when they get on the plane, they look like they've been in a car crash. Like there is ice all over their body. <laughs> yeah, they're barely moving. Like they are miserable. It's like I don't. I don't know how you sign up for that. Like yeah, what so they put hits. their bodies through. Um, so I, that's the. It's like it's there. You can't rig this stuff because of the amount of just damage they're doing to themselves. Yeah. Game in. I mean, there's been known out. that uh, a ref takes a little cry or whatever, and yeah. there's a funky call here and there, but that gets pretty eliminated yeah. pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. It could be yeah. a wrap, but as far as like players. Because yeah. even if you blow your assignment, like it's there's too many other pieces around that can account for that. Yeah, like, um, I mean, being around like basketball players and football players on their physique, like like the, yeah. the like you you walk around just in the normal world, people, normal people. Yeah, and then you you, you know you and you walk around these professional basketball and football players and they you're like different. you're like where <laughs> yeah. the fuck did you come from like yeah. you see them every once in a while like a big person on the street but they're usually not somebody that's been trained right. to like be physically it's, like yeah. crazy it's funny when you see so like basketball players are freaks <laughs> yeah because they're, they're just so big <laughs> and, and gangly and like it's just but like it's funny when you see the outliers amongst the outliers. Yeah. Like they're all like so. There's a couple people that I've come across, like on the football field, that when you see them, like I'll I remember the first time I ever met Tony Baselli, because um, he calls games, you know. And for people that don't know, he was one of the he's in the Hall of Fame. He's one of the great offensive linemen ever. He went to USC, but I can remember the first time I met him, and I just. Just looking, just the size of his hands, the size of his wrists, like just the way this man's built. I'm like, I don't know how my ancestors were able to outrun his ancestors because <laughs> they would just pick you up and tear you in half. Yeah. He's such a different, Chromatic. it's like he's a different being, like yeah. the size of his, the thickness like of his fingers. fingers like, it's like, holy shit, what we, the, the damage this guy can do to you physically. Yeah, It's so humbling when you get, there's another guy, Montez Sweat. Who was on the the Redskins? The, uh, the the yeah, they were the Redskins, uh, the Commanders before he was traded to the Bears. Same thing. When you see him, you're like, what the fuck is that? Like, and this guy is agile, so, yeah, and exactly, and strong, and just they're fucking killing they're machines. Agile, just killing mobile machine. That's how Herbert is. Like when you see Herbert, you're like, what the fuck? Brad Pitt. He's Justin. <laughs> I mean, he is. Dude, Justin Herbert's six six two forty. Is he? Yes. He doesn't look it. He is six foot six, two hundred forty pounds. He is the a quarterback. Human, yes, a massive human being. Yes, a I didn't know he's that massive big. Human and two two forty is actually like pretty ripped and lean. Like that's not even like for six six. Like, right. I mean, he's he six six, huge. He doesn't gigantic. look six six at all. Yeah, he's giant. I thought he was like. Maybe six two, but six six, dude. Like six six and two four. He's a horse. He Holy is a shit. horse. 
Like when you see, like it's crazy when you see, like Derwin James is the same. He better fucking pull it off though. Yeah. Well, he's he's incredible. I mean, I'm not a big, I'm not a big football guy, but I, my a couple of my friends are, and I'm just like, dude. This fucking, yeah, come on, dude. <laughs> well, yeah. football is fucking ass football is coaching and quarterbacking, yeah. and they have not had the coach, and now they do. Yeah, and now they like so now. And I was at, when I was doing that national syndication, I ended up doing a bunch of Stanford games. I you know did a ton of them when Jim first got there, and so I watched him tear down USC. Like I watched him basically just say, like it was it's the most incredible thing I've ever seen in sports. What he did with Stanford, it made. No sense that he was. So able he's to do coming it at from that Stanford. School. He's coming from Michigan. Michigan. Yeah. So just yeah so, okay. But but he was at Stanford. He took a one and eleven Stanford team, turned them into a twelve and one Stanford team, and basically ran Pete Carroll out of college football because he just cracked the code. He's Is like, that what happened? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Huh. There was the the famous I called the famous "What's Your Deal" game, which huh. is where he. Toby Gerhardt ran it down their throats the entire game, and basically, the yeah, it was, he was the running back, okay. uh, white kid out of Norco, that just abused the the Trojans that whole game at the Coliseum. And Jim ran up the score. I don't remember what the final was. It was something like fifty-five to twenty or something. And he scored late and went for two. And that's why and at the end of the game, Pete, Pete Carroll, Carroll well, Pete Carroll came up to him and he said, "What's your deal?" And it's like it's a famous. You can look it up yeah. on the internet. It's a famous kind of moment. He's like, "What's your deal?" And Jim Harbaugh goes, "What's your deal?" And he just walked away and like. He was like, "Fuck this! I gotta get out of here. <laughs> it, ain't, it ain't the same." He's a kook anyway. Yeah, but he kills a kook. Yeah. But Stanford wasn't. Yeah, they've never been a great Mm-mm. you know football team. Football team, except for those. No, you know Stanford didn't. Yeah. You know, it's the best. It's the it's the most academically challenging D one school. Like the idea that they could be competitive in football of yeah. all sports. It's like, yeah, you can be competitive in golf and baseball and swimming. Water football? Ball. Yeah. No. Like, you need freaking gnarled dudes to be able to play football. And yeah. he figured it out. He figured out how to do it with these. Yeah. He called it intellectual brutality, where he got the smartest kids that were tough and said, they're all coming here, and we're going to beat the shit out of people. Who, where did he come from? He he coached Ravens? So, oh, that so, so Jim was a player, played for 20 years, uh, was on the Bears, was on the Colts, was on the Chargers. Um, and then uh, just kind of meandered around trying to figure out what he wanted to do. Coached quarterbacks for the Raiders for a quick minute and then got the head coaching job at San Diego, University of San Diego, mm. D2, Toreros. Crushed it. Went 11-1, and 11-1, and they were like, oh, my God, this guy knows how to coach. And then Stanford hired him. Um, so then he goes to Stanford, takes a 1-11 team, ends up taking them, basically winning the Pac-12, Going twelve and one that one year, and, and had a bunch of winning seasons, um, and then the 49ers hire him. That's it. Takes a six and ten 49er team to thirteen and three, it's three straight NFC championships, a trip to the Super Bowl, and then Michigan hires him, and then he just won the national championship with Michigan, and now the Chargers got him. So fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. sixty. And I do like football. I mean, it's fun. I do yeah. like. I like basketball. Basketball definitely used to be the the number one sports for me, but I do like 
Yeah, football. The chess game. Of, it's chess, dude. It's yeah. there's so many things going on. It's but so the, much fun. I, I love how many great moments you've sat and watched with your own eyes versus like behind a TV or whatever, and you're calling out a lot of these games. Yeah, I had a couple when I was doing, like especially when I was doing the national games. I had some really good ones. I called the Alabama-Tennessee game in Alabama um, the a year that Talking they won the national championship. Oh, yeah. yeah. Freaking psychos. That, it means more. And it means more to them than... Yeah, so it was Lane Kiffin's first year at Tennessee um, when he got there. And so and he's from USC? Yeah, yeah. he was at USC. Um, and so like they were probably 21-point underdogs. And they're lining up to knock off undefeated number one team in the nation, Alabama, on a field goal. Saban. Uh, Saban's Alabama team. And they're lined up, zeros on the clock, you know, one second on the clock, last play of the game. And freaking, I can still remember it. Like, I'm sitting here watching it right now. Terrence Cody freaking busts through the line, blocks the kick. The entire stadium erupts. Like, you can feel it in your chest, the cheers and the people jumping inside the stadium. Wow. Um, Like, those moments are incredible. Yeah. Yeah. The amount of college support and they're, like, talking about roadies and, and like, it's fucking wild. Half half the... Stadium is the opponent's team. Yeah. Like they come in or opponents droves. Fans. Yeah, yeah. They come in droves. It's really cool. It's really cool. Yeah. So I've been very, very fortunate. You know, very thankful for all the, the cool shit that I've been able to do and see. That's yeah. for sure. Any surf trips you've been on? Uh, um I not, know you've got this work schedule that's yeah. like I don't even know where you Nothing nothing special. Yeah. Hawaii, you know, it's really been for me like that's Unfortunately, the only thing I've been able to do so far is just a Wahoo for, you know, a couple, 10, you know, seven, 10 days and just kind of go from Queens up to the Bulls and Kaisers and everything yeah, sort of in between. Right, so that's normally what I do. But now that I'm, I'm into it, you know, like all those surf trips that I passed on to go on golf trips, you yeah. know, essentially I'm like, God, my buddies went to... Tavu, you know, and, and I didn't go. And yeah. they used to go. There's that group from Surfside that would go down to Mexico, that little fishing. Um, Zayulita or whatever. Is that what it is? Yeah. That, um, uh, shoot, I can't remember who would put it together. But, like, I, I just missed out on all of it, you know, yeah. when they would go on those trips. But I I, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know how I would do on surf trips. It's. I assume you guys have done, obviously, all of them. And it's just. He's done all of them. Yeah. I've done, I've done some of them. Most of them. Yeah. Most of them? Most all of them. So what's yeah. the one like? What's the one you have to do? Mentalize. Yeah. I mean, as a just scoring waves and having just a surreal environment like living on a boat. There's there's islands now that have camps and you could right. go do the Tabarua style like camps right. in the Mentali Islands, but those are cool, but just being on the boat and waking up in the boat and, you know, the tight, the camaraderie, you want to be right. with a good group of, of people because you're sharing everything for 10 days or, but the way, you know, it's just, you know, you're fishing, you're hanging out, you're playing games, watching, it's World-class waves. It, yeah. You can go to different ones. Right. In the mentwise. And, and it's I mean, like, there's a lot of like great, you know, like if you have. Tabaru would be sick. Tabaru right. is obviously. Indo. Indo, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I mean. Bali. Yeah. Like, right. There's a lot of killer spots. Everybody <laughs> brings up the tropical, but like. I mean, South Africa is fucking an incredible country. It's beautiful. There's all kinds of killer waves. You go to Jay Bay, and then two hours inland, you're going to like one of the best like, you know, uh, animal parks in like the right. world. Right. You know, and 
you're seeing I, everything right there. Like true I only, safari. I only right. care about tropical. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's not that. I mean, it's a little, it depends on the time of year. It's a little cold. You're yeah. wearing a wetsuit, but it's not like, I mean, it doesn't. Have you in Australia? Yeah. Australia is amazing. Yeah, Australia is yeah. sick too. Yeah. There's a lot of good, you know, again, Australia is fucking giant. Right. Like Gold Coast, which is, you know, the, 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 you know, the most prestigious, I guess, because it gets the most coverage. Sydney's cool, but it's more like Southern California, right? Dense, but yet there's really good ways. Western Australia is like the, the like the Baja of Australia. It's like yeah. kind of undeveloped. It's pristine and desert. Desert. It's kind of far and you know rural and kind of cool, but it's like it's like a untapped Hawaii. Really? You know? Yeah. I no. mean Hawaii as far as like not the tropicalness, but just the remote like. Just beaches. It's fucking rad. What's your favorite wave in Hawaii? Um, back door. Yeah. I right. Mean, if he you like sit in the back door. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, that's, you know, back. That's so you'll, the wave. Go, you'll go pipe when it's firing. Uh, not door. so much anymore right. just because it's so crowded and crowded and I don't, you know, really have the, yeah. the drive to go get killed. And, but this show's not about... Yeah. Late night. Yeah. We're talking to Matt Money Smith. Uh, I know. Yeah. I just got to get excited. Yeah. yeah. That's for me, like, that's you guys talking There's about a lot of good ways over there. talking to you about yeah. that stuff that I would love to do that I just don't. A- any wave pool experience? Yet? Not yet. No, not yet. And I, I you know, my, uh, you guys know Lindsay, like, Brian Lindsay's tried to drag me up to, to Slater's pool a couple times. And he's like, come on, dude. And I'm like, yeah. how much is it? Eh, yeah. I can't do that. Uh, like, that's just not, I got three kids, man. Like, I, so I haven't done that yet. I'll get out to Palm Springs. Yeah. You know, I'll do that. I know Colby had great things to say about Waco. He said he had a good time down there. Colby, but, uh, Colby, Waco is freaking insane. Yeah. 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 But Slater's Pool, you definitely have to I know. Try. I got to figure that out. Yeah. Palm, Palm Springs out. is a driving, you know, two-hour drive versus yeah. flying exactly. to Waco now. It's like, I know. Yeah. Exactly. Have you been to Palm Springs yet? Uh, I haven't. He's been there. How yeah. is it? Yeah. But but not finished product in the in the testing kind phase. kind of testing phase, yeah. yeah. How was it, though? It was hard. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was a short wave in the beginning. Right. I mean... It looks we, like it's still pretty short. It's pre- way longer than it was, though. Okay. Like, I'm talking like... For me, goofy foot, drop in, bottom turn, hit the lip, and then it closes. And then you're done. Yeah. Now they get three turns. There's there's videos of like Mason and Blair. I mean, all the pros. Right. They make it look so fucking good. Right. Because they rip. But when you're me and you get there and you're like, yeah, I want to get barreled on that. Oh shit! I don't know. (laughs) Well, I just watched a lot of clips from the Grom Search event. They just ran an event there for the kids, and it looked insane. I mean, the kids are small, and maybe look more. You know, they all ripped too, but it looked it looked fun. It's crazy how many amazing wave pools there are in the world. I know. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm, I'm bummed that they didn't get that Slater pool out there. It would have been Palm nice. Springs, yeah. yeah, that would have been great. Yeah, just going to Lemoore. It's like, oof. It's a long ass drive. It's a long ass drive, and it's expensive. It's super expensive. Yeah. It's, so fuck. It's, it's a tough deal. <laughs> going a real trip. Yeah, that's why you know I just booked a 25th anniversary with the wife to Hawaii. She's like, "Where are we going?" I was like, "Meh." <laughs> Where are we staying? Hawaii. 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 Yeah, going surf ride. Well, I mean, it, it's like. I would assume Waikiki will still be good in April, right? Always. Or, yeah, it's always, always fun. Yeah. yeah, so I was like, yeah, we're staying at Surf Rider. Um, Perfect. And then I'll just, you know, the last time we were there is funny. Like, I was still not, like, I feel like I can pretty much handle it now. Back then, I, I wasn't. 
the last time I was there was two years ago and I'm much more advanced now, but so we go and I'm always very conscious of the lineup and just kind of sit and wait and chat a little bit. And so I end up paddling and it was big. We had a storm come through. So we ended up getting some really killer waves. And so I end up paddling all the way out to Queens and I'm just kind of sitting there waiting and everybody ended up super cool people. Right. But they're all getting these killer waves. And then finally, you know, none of them are paddling. And I was like, here we go. Here's my wave. <laughs> so I go to pedal into this wave and it just fucking jacks up. And I get absolutely destroyed. And as I freaking get my bearings back and pedal back to the lineup, you know, everyone's kind of got a smile on their face. And one of the, the older guys is like, why you pedal for that wave, huh? <laughs> I was like, well, none of you guys were going. That's why none of us were going. <laughs> and he's like, you get the next one. And I was like, all right. And so I just sat there and he's like, all right, go. And then I ended up getting my great wave. But I was like, oh, I guess I had to freaking take a beating yeah. to get this freaking dude. To, and it was, and that's what's cool. Like, that's my favorite thing about surfing are just like those interactions, yeah. Yeah. you know, that, that I didn't say anything to anyone. I get freaking cleaned out and everybody kind of giggles. And yeah. now I'm in. And he paid his dues. He's like, well, that's. Oh, that's I mean, at the end of the day, yeah. I, I mean, if you're you're being cool and you're taking you're not taking waves and you're waiting your turn, yeah. yeah. And they see you know something like that, you're like, okay, you deserve to go on another one. Yeah, exactly. You know, like everybody. That's exactly cool. what it was. Yeah, that one was super cool. <laughs> and and yeah, and so like that's so that's always my thing with surf trips is I just get kind of a little nervous about quality yeah. of like ability just fitting and, in yeah. like my ability versus what's out there locals and I don't want to fuck with them and, and just be respectful while yeah. still having a good time. You know, it's just kind of a weird little yeah dynamic. It Larson said it. It's like when you are cool, people will be cool to you, right? Like yeah. If you show respect, you're going to get respect. Right. Like that's kind of how it works. Yeah, and there's and everywhere. You, you yeah, know? you yeah. can identify the guys that are just you know, angry angry and yes. they're just got a temper like okay this oh, yeah. i'm not gonna bother that yeah. people other people are smiling have you can instantly read people pretty exactly. quick yeah you just don't go out there you just kind of take your time and you know chit chat to an extent you don't take need to be yeah that's it yeah the first I, um, the first time that i went to kaiser's <laughs> i uh they're a little little, little there in, in bowls are a little bit more very localizing. Less, yeah. yeah yeah so i'm so I'm sitting there, and again, I'm not taking any waves. I'm just basically going to wait for one that nobody's paddling for. And as I'm sitting there, you know, this guy's like, hey, a shark. And I figure he's just fucking with me, right? And there's a guy in a sop that he's talking to who's behind us, you know, because he's on a sop. He's like, hey, there's a shark. And the guy's like, yeah, sure, shark, fuck off, hey. And the guy's like, no, hey, shark. And I turn around, and I'm like, oh, fuck, there really is a shark. There's yeah. just this shark cruising. And the guy turns around, and he's like, Oh yeah, sure. You just turn around like it's nothing, and I was like, "Okay, I guess we're just sitting here now. There's just a shark right there, and I'm not going to do anything because I want to fit in with these guys." As there's and been more shark attacks, and I know, ever, right? It's been yeah. gnarly lately, and so I didn't know what to do. I was just like, "Well, I guess I just got to sit here. I can't freak out and yeah. just like paddle." Uh, just paddle right in between the right, it's right between the two guys, exactly. And so I just sat there and I was like, "I guess this is normal." Uh, I'm just sitting there, and there's a shark right behind us, and I we're just gonna sit here. Yeah. And it was just like, whatever. Uh, this is how the lineup works. Yeah. So it's shit like that that I'm trying to figure out. I don't know if I was supposed to paddle in. I don't think nobody moved. Like nobody moved. No one figures yeah. that one out. No. <laughs> you know, just try not to get. Yeah. Don't it, get eaten. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Yeah. 
Well, shit, this has been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate we'll have to you take guys, your, man. Take your brain another time on, on you know, more <clears throat> Laker shit and, you know, yeah, sports never, fan shit. That's been fun. Well, we got to talk about the two-year stint as program director. Oh, right? yeah, as music director. K-Rock. That was wild. That was the whole Morrissey thing. He fucked us good. That's, you know, just a million of those stories. Yeah. So, yeah. So, there's a lot. So, Matt Money Smith. Yeah. Uh, Chargers football. Yeah. Be Chargers fans. And then... Afternoons, uh, 3 to 7. Okay. On uh, AM570 or the podcast, just Petros and Money Podcast. You know, we post that every day. We do yep. four hours of radio for the most part. Um, and, yeah, that's it, you know. Um, and you still do basketball, college I'll basketball? I'll do some college basketball. Like I said, this a week from tomorrow, I'll do the St. John's-UConn game out in New York. Um, and I got a UCLA Stanford game. I got a Purdue Michigan State game. And then I'll do the Big Ten tournament. Um, but yeah, whatever, you know, Chargers, I think would be the big one. We're trying to get LA and Southern California and, you know, the folks in San Diego to still be into football and and become a Chargers town. So that's what we're working on. Yeah. Um, what board are you riding now? Today I rode a, a five, eight, uh, mankind sweet potato. Um, my long board's a Kai Salas mango jam, a nine Oh, uh, and then I have a stamps, uh, over easy seven eight I think those are probably like my three main boards nice. like if you know midsize is usually I'll usually take the stamps to Bolsa Chica um, I'll ride the sweet potato at at the pier or at Huntington you know at Cliffs or or the Huntington Pier yeah um, a little more whippy a little more whippy and then I'll have the uh, the Kai Salas for the river and for um, Sano you know PB Cove. That's a great board, man. That freaking mango jam. If people haven't checked it out, it's so different than any Who other. Kai Salas. Um, so it's a it's a nine but it's only sixty liters. So and it's a firewire. So it's just this real light, whippy longboard that mm. it's not the best nose rider, but it's just got this maneuverability. Easy, easy it's so turn. easy to turn. It's so fun to have a board that big that moves that well. You know when you're because like. Those waves to me are kind of like snowboarding, you know? Yeah. You're just kind of on like the PV Cove, the river wave when it's right, yeah. the Sano wave. It's like being on a mountain. And like that board just really whips super well. Um, yeah, I mean, how often I even people that do rip are nose riding? Not not many, you know? Right. So it's like having a board is kind of like, you know. Exactly. Turn and have fun on is Exactly. But then fast. I'll, you know, like I surf with TJ. Um, he's in the river a lot and just watching him climb the nose and it's just like, fuck, I wish I could do that. Like yeah. how good he is at it. That's a different kind of fucking surfing right yeah. there. It really like, is. And it's so acrobatic. It looks like, oh, effortless. They're not doing much. It's so technical. It's, yeah. it's so hard. It's crazy. Like every time he's, and he's so cool, you know, he'll just try to coach me up and stuff. I'm like, all right, get in the wave. And as soon as I get on that nose, you know, yeah. it's just, it's like, yeah, dude, I, you're doing something different than the rest yeah. of us. Twinkle toes, you know, they just freaking. Yeah. Like it's nothing. Yeah. Um, Running plank. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe I'll go out now. Yeah. See if the pier is fire. Yeah. Well, before we go, we, we want to plug our sponsors. Please. What do we got? Caballero Pools and Spas. Yep. Loose Towels. Changey ponchos, oh, yeah. beach towels. This is a caddy towel. We asked if you golf, we'll give you a you know caddy towel. Right uh, on. We got changing ponchos, uh, outdoor towels, barbecue towels coming out soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything. Who makes uh, those? Loose. 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 Okay. Yeah. We got Earth Pack. 
Earth Pack does all your packaging and bag needs. Very cool. Yep. Mark Johnson shaped me a sup. I love him. He's a good nice. dude over nice. at Hobie. I see you got the Hobie bag there. We got you hooked up. Bonsai Bowl for oh, you and yeah. the family. Mount Bonsai Bowl. Love that. We got seven locations. They got uh, Huntington and Newport. Perfect. Two in Hawaii. Laguna. Shade sunscreen. Now that I need. Bones. As you can see how white I am. Um, beautiful. You guys are doing great, man. Yeah. yeah. Ah, the brand, and then this... Neon Wave is a, a, a boutique in Rochester, New York, yep. and they sponsor the podcast. And with every like fifty dollar, hundred fifty dollar purchase, they get a free this uh, ne- dude late night with chalky hat. Yeah, nice. This is go to this is neonwave.com. Yeah, nice. Enter, yeah, enter the promo code late night and get a free hat. Yeah. And I'm sure you're wearing Colby Plus wetsuits. Right now, I'm wearing Colby Plus, but I do want to shout out our friend Mike, uh, Mikey Riley. Free fly. Free fly, dude. This stuff is incredible. Yeah. Holy yeah. crap, how comfortable this stuff is. Um, yeah. Hair package. Colby, uh, Colby Plus, Santa Barbara Ice Bath. Which Rob does. Yeah. Have you hopped in yet? Has he, has I, he got I, you in, dude? I saw the facility. I didn't have time to hop in, but they, they I saw his little Could showroom. Could you maybe demo. tell him to put one in my backyard? There you go. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. dude. Yeah, he's... Well, you I'm know what's funny? Serious. You don't... Like, the thing is, like, Rob's got it on his gate, so you can just yeah. pop the gate at his house and go right into it. And yeah. like that's, he's, like, got the ice bath of Seal Beach that everybody uses. We just go and use his. Yeah. Um... But yeah, yeah, if you go to rad. Colby Plus and you type in Late Pod, you get ten percent off. Oh, really? Yeah. So yeah, those uh, wetsuits are incredible. Yeah, Boy, they are so soft. Holy crap! Finless skateboards. Yep. Finless skateboards. We got a, a, a deck oh, back here, sure. handcrafted. Nice. Check that out. All See kinds that. of amazing woods. Oh, oh, I got you. So they're carvers. It's reverse trucked. Yeah. yeah. Nice. But Same. they make like cool little, not high performance skateboards, but yeah, different models. Yeah. Uh, this is like one of the longer ones. That's great. Juicy wheels, too. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. It's killer. Um, Very nice. Yeah, those are rad. That's Look how pintail that thing is, too. Yeah, That's they got, a, they cool, got like dude. six different shapes, and then they, they do a bunch of customs with uh, some some collaborations with some uh, some of the shops and brands. It's cool. Also, shout out to Shoots Beer. Ashland Hart Seltzer. Yeah, Shoots is a, a restaurant in Oceanside, and they have one in Carlsbad, but it's like killer... Fish tacos, poke right. bowls. It's delicious. Cool. So yeah. Ever. So anybody's down making their way to Oceanside, hit that yeah. place up. Very cool. They got like a little bar, like in, what do you call that? Like a little craft store, like a yeah. beer, beer and wine yep. shop affiliated. Yep. Yeah. It's right on. And Clearweather shoes, Clearweather yep. brand shoes. They make amazing runners and skate okay. shoes and. Yeah. Right on. Well, I guess I should, uh, you know what? I'll plug one thing then since I plugged the, you know, Please. we love Rob, yeah. we love Mikey. Plug that. But I'll plug my daughter's band. So, yes. yeah. Come. She's freaking rad. Her band what kicks she ass. Play? She plays everything. So she sings, she plays, in the band, she sings and plays guitar, but she plays drums, keys, she does everything. What's um, the band called? Preston Smith and the Mocks. Is uh, is insane. her band? They play. They're pretty well known around Seal. They play everything around. They did the uh, Board Riders fundraiser Epic. two years ago. Uh, well, but say the name again. Preston Smith. Preston. Smith. You can actually. The best thing to do is follow her. Preston Smith Music on Instagram with a Y. P R E S T Y. So she's the lead. Music. She's the lead. She yeah. writes music. She writes everything. Um, what kind of music? It's kind of. It's she's she's all over the place. You know. She's got some freaking pretty rock 
sort of leaning songs, some pop, some indie, a little bit of everything. But um, how many? How many kids? In four the pieces. Nice. All sixteen-year-olds. Drums. How fun. Lead guitar. Yeah. She plays rhythm, and Emmy plays bass. Jack's on drums. Um, great kids. Just played Nam, the big convention in town for musicians uh, last night. Played uh, for Ultimate Ear inside the convention and then played the Sheridan Hotel last night for all the drunks after they were done. Epic. Um, but yeah, she plays around town a lot. So if you just kind of... Yeah. Like she's playing, I think she's playing 320 Main for brunch. She does that twice a month. Um, Is she 16? She's 16. Yeah. <laughs> so radical. they're playing, um, I think they're playing DP Piazza's there in Long Beach in a couple weeks. Um, but yeah, dude, that's that'd be the one thing, I guess, if I could plug anything. It would be... Uh, Check her out. Support local music. You know? Yeah. That's, you uh, Preston Smith and the Mocks. Preston Smith and the Mocks or just Preston Smith Music on Instagram. Sweet. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, dude. Uh, Matt awesome. Money that was, Smith. That was yeah. fun, dude. Dude. That was freaking rad. Going down memory lane. Some amazing, amazing stories. And yeah. I like, hope it wasn't too long and boring. No. It's always dude. weird when you're talking about yourself so I much. I mean, music's such a big part of our lives. Yeah. And sports are a huge part of our lives. And sports have been, yeah. So it's like uh, definitely a different type of episode and conversation. I know. I, I hope it's not too like left field for people listening. If it is, I, if you made it to this no, point, no, apparently you might have found it interesting. It's just, so it's is that a Val Surf hat too? This is a uh, Val Surf hat. Yeah. 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 Shout out to Val exactly, Surf. Val Surf. Yeah. 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 Stamps. Shout out to Tim. Yeah. Uh, all those folks. Yeah. Uh, my buddy Sean, who works at Reef. Shout out to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got friends everywhere. That's it. Rocky. I love Rocky. McKinnon? You know. Yeah. All the great nice. work he does with the with the kids. Yeah. You know, I love Rocky's just rad. We were. I was surfing the river. Freaking some dude busted his head up against his foil. And who's the first guy over there? I mean, the guy was like having convulsions in the water. And freaking wow. Rocky's got his giant board and he's freaking lifting this dude out of the water and saving his life. And wow. I'm like, dude, what don't you do? Like, yeah. he's such a rad guy. Yeah. Um, we got to get him on the show, yeah. too. Yeah, he's the best, dude. Yeah, we he's, talked about it in the past. Yeah. yeah. Just such a, like you said, you know, like there's certain people in the water that you see him and you're like, eh, this bad vibe. But then you see Rocky, man, and it's just like this ray of sunshine in yeah. the water. He's such yeah. a Keeps trying to get dude. me to come out on his uh, canoe like come come out right on the outrigger yeah, yeah outrigger i'm like holy shit yeah yeah so well, dude matt money smith appreciate it thank you so much yeah. peace bonsai bowls hands down the best bowls period seven locations two in hawaii five in southern california bonsai bowls go get some ashland hard seltzer made from all natural ingredients no sugar zero carbs gluten-free Great taste and guilt-free good times. Ashland Hard Seltzer. Shade Sunscreen. The best sunscreen for all surfers. Shade Sunscreen. It's been around since the sun. Shade, Shade. Sunscreen. <laughs> Clearweather is a family-owned footwear brand started by our friends Josh and Brandon Brubaker. They are driven to create their own path in the corporate sneaker world. Less corporate, more independent. Clearweather. Clearweatherbrand.com. Fuwax is the best, ickiest, stickiest wax in the game. Fuwax. Late Night with Chalky is supported by Inherent Bummer. Surf entertainment, thoughtful writing, surf videos, music, and fresh hell for the core surf community. Remember, it's not the end of the world. Subscribe and check it all out at InherentBummer.com. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. 
Please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams for our awesome artwork and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music.